This summer, Coors Light wants you to retire, even if it's only temporary. Take a break from your nine to five for nine holes of golf. Trade those spreadsheets for a bingo card. Or swap your office chair for a water aerobics floaty. This summer, welcome to temporary retirement. Coors Light, made to chill. Copyright 2023, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. B-F-F-T. Now, live from Killer Burger in West Lynn, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. Man, I've been waiting like for weeks when I found out we were having a live broadcast. And that's what we're doing right now, 3 to 6 p.m. at Killer Burger in West Lynn. I have been waiting to hear those words, big voice guy. Thank you for that. we got a bunch of giveaways. We've got a broadcast. We have special guests who are going to stop by the broadcast including former Blazers broadcaster Mike Barrett. He's coming by. We've, we're going to talk about the Ducks and their game on the road at Arizona State. We're going to talk about Oregon State's game that will be taking place on Saturday, tomorrow at Reeser Stadium. The final Pac-12 game as we know it. We'll be talking about that game as well. High school football, we've got some state uh, semifinal games. We'll talk about that. We're not going to ignore that, but... If you stop by West Lynn Killer Burger, here's what I can tell you you're going to find. You're going to find burgers. You're going to find beer. You're going to find us broadcasting here in West Lynn. You're going to find also that we are giving away a pair of Trailblazers tickets for a game coming up a little bit later this season. I'll be able to tell you what that game is in a moment. But we've also got tickets to tonight's Winterhawks game that we're going to be giving away. And we're going to be giving away some WWE Raw tickets as well so stop by here you, you all you have to do is stop by come up talk to steven who's hanging out here and we've got some uh tick raffle ticket style what do you call those coupons anna we're like is it a raffle is yeah that what it's called a con- it's, a, it's a raffle ticket yeah. it, it literally is a raffle ticket all right so we got we have the raffle ticket you're going to put your <laughs> name phone number email address on it you're going to slip it into the killer burger to go box that's right. We're going full on brand on theme here. And then uh, we are going to select in hour number three a winner. Now, you can get a raffle ticket every hour. So if you show up here and you're here in the 3 o'clock hour, you get a ticket, one ticket per person. And then you show back up in the 4 o'clock hour or you stick around and it's 4 o'clock, uh, it, you'll also get uh, a second ticket. So you have an opportunity to do that. But they, the Winter Hawks tickets, I have to do differently. You know why? Why? Because the game is tonight. Oh. 7.30 game. Yeah. Winter Hawks are playing. So here's what I'm going to say for listeners out there. If you're anywhere near West Lynn Killer Burger, the first Winter Hawks fan who comes through the door and fist bumps me and says, I want to go to tonight's game, you're going to get a four-pack of tickets to go see the Portland Winter Hawks. So first person to come through the door, fist bump, and say, hey, I want to go to tonight's game, you get the tickets, all right? I'm not going to mention it again. So if you're listening right now, oh, wow. you are, you like, membership has its privileges. You're going to be uh, way ahead of everybody. Uh, Anna, this is um, this is a location that we have visited often. Yes. To eat burgers. 
yes. and hang out with the kids. And uh, even our daughter's soccer team had their, their end-of-season banquet here. That was really cool uh, to do that. But uh, I'm excited to be broadcasting here. This is one of those joints where, you know, like growing up, every sports team that you play on has a place where you go for the meal after the game. Or like you said, you have like the end of the season banquet. Um, this is that place, you know, for this area. And so that's what makes it so cool because it's they buy into the community. They support uh, activities and sports in the community. And it's it's really just woven into the fabric of the people who live here. So. I, I wrote a column this morning at johnconzano.com about the Civil War series. Yes, I'm calling it the Civil War. Uh, Oregon and Oregon State, uh, everybody, a lot of people think that series is not going to continue. But it does appear that it will continue, and it appears as though Oregon is currently negotiating with Boise State, talking with Boise State about potentially dropping next season's September 14th game against the Broncos at Autzen Stadium and the 2025 game that would happen uh, in Boise. And instead, uh, they would drop those two games and instead would play Oregon State in a home-and-home -home series. Now, um, it, nothing's finalized, but it, it appears though, as though Oregon is, is interested in making that happen and that Oregon State um, is receptive to it at this point and that September 14th happens to be the only time that they would play it. Now, I posted that column, and then I went and I read the comment section, and I was really interested to see how many Beavers fans said, we don't want to play the Ducks. We don't want, we're not going to help them. They created, they caused a problem by leaving the Pac-12 conference. Why should we be interested in playing them? Why do you think people are reacting that way? Because it's too soon. I mean, the wound is still too raw. You know, I, I think the Beavers um, definitely feel like they were left behind and they went with a good faith effort toward, you know, a, a media rights deal. And so, you know, the feelings are, are still there, and it's too soon. And, and I don't fault the people who feel that way, but I do think there's a broader conversation to be had about whether that rivalry game should be played because there's definitely pros and cons to it actually happening. Can I tell a story? No, you can't tell a story. All right, Nin all right 1910, <laughs> Oregon State and Oregon play the Civil War game in 1910. And the game ended with a brawl that turned into a riot. And the newspaper story in 1910 said that uh, people, who, farmers who had come to see the game, pelted the Oregon Ducks. The Oregon State farmers pelted the Oregon Ducks with, with ears of corn that were out <laughs> of the back of a truck. Okay, this is part of the illustrious history of the Civil Fantastic. War. It was so bad that they canceled the 1911 game. Really? They did not play the Civil War in 1911. There's a cigar manufacturer in Albany at the time named Billy Eagles, who uh, apparently had one of the cigar manufacturing plants, and he wanted the game to be played. And, in fact, I think his brother-in-law was one of the Oregon State's coaches. And so this is like the, the most quintessential, like, Oregon-Oregon State rivalry story that, that nobody knows. Like, Billy Eagles started a fundraiser and said, I want the 1912 game to be played. And they built a stadium in Albany that stands today, high school stadium that stands today. And the 1912 game was played in Albany, Oregon, seen as a neutral site game. <laughs> and only because Billy Eagles wanted that game to be played. And so uh, the, the rivalries had some hiccups. It you know, didn't play in 1911, played the game in 1912. Um, there was no fight in 1912. 
Uh, and then, uh, obviously, 1943, 1944, there was no game because of the war. But otherwise, this is a series that you know has 126 meetings between these two teams. It's one of the oldest rivalries in the country. Does it need a break? Does it need like a year off because of the, like a cooling off period? Or should Oregon State and Oregon play this thing? I mean, I think a lot of people, um, you know, from what I've seen, it's the Beaver fans that are saying, hey, let's take a break. It's okay for us to not play this for at least a couple of years and see where we're at. But I don't know. I mean, when you talk about the history of the game and everything that it has overcome to get to this point, you know, like we think of the Civil War as what it is now from how we've experienced it on game day and the rivalry that we've enjoyed in our lifetime. But it does have a deep and rich history. You know, like how much should we work to honor that history and try to make that game happen in spite of, you know, the fallout from the Pac-12 uh, dissolution this last year. So I want phone calls on that front. Do you want to see this game played? Duck fan, Beaver fan, neutral observer. 503-417-7575. I'll say this too. I think there is an economic benefit to playing the game for both schools. Uh, it For Oregon, it gives Oregon a home or a, a game even on the road that they can travel to in a bus and not have to get on a plane and spend Two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars traveling—that's what it costs to go play an opponent on the road. It's about three hundred thousand dollars. But that's one of the reasons yeah. the Beavers fans are saying, "No, we don't want that game. We don't want well, to help the Ducks out." I get that, but also for the Beaver fans, you uh, you you have to understand that the home games that you have in the next two years will all belong to Oregon State. That the gate belongs to Oregon State, the tickets belong to Oregon State, and the media rights belongs to the home team. That's why. The home team in the Pac-12 gets to uh, dictate, you know, that that their grant of rights goes to their conference. Well, because Oregon State does not have a conference, Oregon State can sell that game to ESPN or Fox or CBS or Apple. They can say, hey, you want the Civil War game in 2024 or 2025, whichever is the home game for Oregon State. They can include that as part of their media rights package, and that game is worth millions of dollars to Oregon State, not to Oregon. Oregon would not get paid uh, because they're the visiting team. They would Their conference, the Big Ten, would get the media rights for the home game. But I want to hear from callers. Do you think Oregon and Oregon State should play this thing? 503-417-7575 is the number. Judah, you're back in studio downtown Portland. Sorry, you're not getting a burger today. We're out at Killer Burger in Westland. But Judah, should they play this game? Oh, it's... A... I don't think so, and I'm kind of with Anna on the fact that we just need a year to, to have a break, and I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer there, but I love the Civil War um, you know, more than anything in college football. Black Friday in particular, when it's on that, that's my favorite day of the year. It's always more than my birthday. I love Ducks against Beeves, and I'm not partial toward uh, one team or the other in particular. I just love what it means for our state. I love walking around town, walking around the mall, walking around anywhere and seeing all the colors, flags in the neighborhood, everything, that the emotion that brings uh, bring brings with it for for beavers and ducks, and I just feel like with everything that's going on, I'm I'm not in a hurry to play it week two of September. I'm not like to me. <laughs> Do you think it just needs a year off? Because yeah, I did hear yeah. from people. Some people said it needs a cooling off, but my fear is if they don't play it in 2024, it starts to get away from you, and you'll start to look at future schedules. And then you know the people that I'm talking with are saying that Oregon and Oregon State looked at this calendar. And they circled September 14th and said that is the only date that we could play this thing.
because it, it's the only date that it works for Oregon. They could get that. They could get out of the Boise State contract. Oregon doesn't want to go to Boise State, and they're going to go there in 2025 and play a game, and, and uh, they're going to pay Boise State $800,000 to come play at Autzen Stadium. So I think Oregon's looking to get out of those agreements. But from an Oregon State standpoint, I, I do think Oregon State, look, if you're going to play a Mountain West Conference schedule, you need to uh, load in some Power 5 or Power 4 conference opponents to strengthen your schedule up. And, I, and you know, I, I know Jonathan Smith and Oregon State tend to play well late in the year, but I, I think I would, go, I would go check that game out. Uh, of course I would. Let's go to the phones. Seth's in Eugene listening on Fox Sports Eugene. We're at Killer Burger, Seth. How far away? How soon could you be here? Uh, uh, I could be there in 15, 20 minutes, maybe. Uh, all right. What's, what's on your mind? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I'm a Beaver fan, graduated not very long ago from Oregon State, and I think that because of the tradition and the history behind the Civil War, I think we need to keep playing it. And I understand that uh, there's a lot of emotions and stuff, but um, I think... I also agree with you where uh, we need that revenue and we need that big game because our biggest game next year could be something like Boise State. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, you're looking at You have Purdue next season. Oregon State plays Purdue. Uh, but you're talking about a schedule that has Boise State on it. Um, I think there's an Idaho State on there. And, you know, obviously if you're going to play six Mountain West Conference games, you're now at nine. So, yeah, I'd love to see Oregon State play Oregon and beef up the schedule. And obviously, I think Oregon State and Washington State are planning to play each other at least once next season. They may play twice. They may play home and home. Uh, let's go to Chad in Portland. Chad, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, John? Love your show. Listen, every chance I get, if I can finish this work, I may try to get over to Killerburger, my friend. Love to uh, see you. Uh, Killerburger and Westland. We're here till 6. I mean, I think we got to keep this game going because, I, I, I will admit, I'm a, you know, a Hoosier that went to Purdue that moved out here over a decade ago and adopted the Ducks as a home favorite team, I guess. But I think, you know, the, the tradition is what makes it, and the emotions that everybody fears or whatever is, like, worried about is what makes it great. I don't know. So I'll take it offline. Uh, yeah. What would happen if the Hoosiers or, and Purdue stopped playing? That would never yeah. happen. The old, the old oaken bucket. That's what Purdue and Indiana play for. But they call it the old broken bucket because they're not very good. But, um, look, I, I do think part of the rivalry is, is, you know, you look back, and I, I mentioned that fight in 1910. You, you think about, um, you know, di there's different points in Civil War history where players on both sides, there was a kidnapping of the mascot one year that I remember being <laughs> – a thing. Somebody, was someone in it? Somebody burned a uh, somebody burned a uh, Oregon State uh, logo into the uh, field in oh, Oregon. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's some bad feelings that have been there. Is it possible that this this Big Ten thing becomes part of the lore of the Civil War and they play through it? And you know, you know, I think that you know, the they're Oregon and Oregon State are different. Okay, they are. They're different kinds of schools. The Fan bases have a different feel to them. The stadiums have a different feel to them. The the kind of players that Oregon State recruits, um, you know, Oregon looks down at those players, and then Oregon State says, well, we have guys that develop that fit our culture better. There's differences between these schools. I think it's okay for them not to get along. Well, and, you know, I think the financial incentive is pretty strong there. Why would Oregon State leave 
big money on the table yeah. and not try to schedule a game like this, a home game against the Ducks at home to keep the rivalry going. And you have to get the home game. There's no way you're just playing at Autzen Stadium. Let's go to Reynolds. Reynolds, what's on your mind? Hey, John. Uh, former Oregon State athlete, uh, wrestled for the Beavers, never lost to a Duck as a team or as a wrestler. <laughs> and uh, now the uh, Civil War, in my opinion, is dead. Uh, they asked for a divorce, and it would be the equivalent of a spouse, a wife, allowing the drunk, abusive, rich husband <laughs> to come back and take you out on a date. Hey, we had a prenup, and it's called the Pac-12 bylaws. They are exiting. You are exiting the door stage left. Goodbye. You know, go your merry way. Let's write out this Pac-2 conference as long as we can. Let's try to rebuild when the reformulation comes about. We've got to do what we can to keep Jonathan around. The name, image, and likeness in all sports, not just football. Uh, but let the Ducks go where they're going to go, and they're going to find out as a 6-5 and five team in the Big Ten that uh, maybe it wasn't that bad back on the West Coast. So, so you're saying no, they shouldn't play. <laughs> Absolutely not. It'd be the equivalent of the abusive, drunk, rich husband saying, oh, come on, let's just go on one more date, and knowing it's not going to go anywhere. They've made their bed. Go sleep in it. Fly to call. New Jersey for your date. There you go. Appreciate you. <laughs> I'm not surprised. That's the reaction. That was what was in the comment section. I know. The Oregon, the Washington State feelings. fans feel the same way about yeah. the Apple Cup. Yep. They don't want to play it. I don't fault them for it. I get it. But... I, but is there a cooling off period that it would change in? Like you know, because if I'm Oregon State, one one of the fears is I think you're going to the you're going to play a Mountain West Conference flavored schedule next year if the, if it unfolds as I think it is. So you're going to have six games against the likes of Boise State and San Diego State and Fresno State and Colorado State, and uh, you you do have the Purdue game. Um, you know, I know that uh, you'll play Washington State. But you need to pick up somebody in there that helps strengthen up your schedule because if the ultimate goal is to play for a uh, to make the playoff as an at-large team playing in the Pac-2, I think you've got to play somebody. Well, and my question is, in today's world with short attention spans, if they stop playing it next year, will they ever play it again? Like, will the rivalry resume, or is that just a break in history that they'll never come back from? We'll find out, because I think, you know, Oregon is trying to get that game moved. I'm told they're motivated to do it, and uh, they, they're trying to get out of the Boise State game and play Oregon State instead. Let's go to David. David, what do you think? Hey, John. Um, I am a Duck fan uh, for a long time, kind of born and raised Duck fan, and I think we should keep the game going. I would love to see uh, the Ducks and Beavs go at it on a hot day, you know, 95 degrees in September. And I would just challenge the Beaver fans out there. I think they're a little bit scared at some of the recruiting disparity. Uh, I think they see the depth on the Ducks team. I think that makes them nervous. But to, to calm down, you guys are a well-coached team. I think it would still be a good game, and it would be great for the state of Oregon. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think, and I think you you speak for a faction of the uh, of the audience that is that is um, saying, look, uh, you know, this game needs to go on. I think some people want to see it play. I want to see it played because I want to see it played. And but I understand why Oregon, some Oregon State fans are really mad about it. There's also a faction of Oregon fans who are, 
I think looking and saying, well, we left the Pac-12. Why would we look over our shoulder and go back to the Pac-12? I saw that sentiment expressed mm. as well. Let's go to uh, Mark, who's in Portland. Mark, welcome to the conversation. How you doing, man? Yeah, well, how are you doing? You knew I had to retaliate with the, the wrestler out there. Uh, you want to wrestle him? Should we have a wrestling no, match? Come in and kill her burger. Let's wrestle it out. <laughs> no, I don't want to wrestle him. But, you know, first of all, the fans, we got nothing to do with the decisions that are made. But it's funny to me because I heard you guys talking about, you know, the Beavers in Washington State poaching some of the Mountain West Conference teams to, to redo. So they're doing basically the same thing that, what you know, Oregon, We as far as they saw the, the light, John. They, it's like the Titanic, the Pac-12, and, and it was, they got a lifeline to go to the Big Ten. I, I think it was a smart business decision by the Ducks and the Huskies. After USC, UCLA, the biggest market left. But uh, I, to be honest with you, I don't think a lot of Duck fans are being honest with you. I could care less. We've got a new girlfriend now. we got the Big Ten. I'll talk like he was. So the Beavers sound like scorned lovers. They need – the duck game as far as their resume if they're in the, like the mountain west conference i would think they would need a playing oregon more than oregon really needs them now we got ohio state you know michigan if, if we're top three in the big 10 and the 12 team playoff we probably got a pretty good chance to get into the playoffs so yeah i mean I, it has nothing to do with the fans i i wish the pac-12 would have stayed together but it didn't it's over it's it's you know it's most of us have moved on you know, the Huskies, the Duck fans, it's time to move on. Make a decision, get in the Mountain West Conference, do what you're going to do. But, you know, it's none of our faults that this happened. It's the, it's the elitist. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of us yeah. caught in the middle of this thing. And, and, and I think, um, you know, Mark's speaking for a faction of Duck fans, but I think it's interesting Rob Mullins, the Oregon Athletic Director, told me that he's a little bit concerned because there's just a limited number of teams in the Pacific time zone that Oregon can schedule. And you know you can only you can't play two or three Big Sky teams in non-conference play every year, and you have the Mountain West available to you. But outside of that, now that they're in the Big Ten Conference, they I think Oregon is going to be looking for games in the Pacific Time Zone against Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State because I think they're going to want to limit how they have to travel, and they're going to want to limit where their football teams have to go play. And I and I think they probably think they can win those games in most years. Let's go to Josh in Vancouver. Josh, go ahead. Hey, John, thanks for taking the call. Hey, you know, it's funny to me when I listen to, um, it, it, it doesn't matter whether, I'm a huge Duck fan, it doesn't matter whether you're a Duck fan or you're a Beaver fan, it, it, does, it does stick out to me when some of these fans can be so petty about um, the, the breakup and the divorce and, and the splitting of the Pac-12. That wasn't Oregon's fault. It wasn't Oregon only doing that. The interesting part about this to me is that I feel like right now Oregon State fans have completely lost sight and touch with reality. For years they backed on Oregon and made fun of Oregon for the investment that Oregon was making in sports, for the prioritization that Oregon was making in sports, in football and basketball and women's sports. Across the board, 
winning or losing, Oregon invested big time, and a lot of that, yep, was absolutely Uncle Phil. Okay, I was gonna call, I was gonna call you on that. I was gonna say it wasn't yeah. really Oregon, a bunch of Oregon fans. It it was Phil Knight, right? Let's say it. I was not at all trying to suggest that it was Oregon fans. I'm talking about just the University of Oregon and the direction they went, and the push was driven by Phil Knight. And what is ironic to me is, is in all that time when Oregon State was making fun of Oregon for making that and the, the push by Phil Knight, it was paying long-term dividends down the road. And the long-term dividends were this. They became a brand that became attractive for the Big Ten. And now Oregon State has got a product that they can put on the field, but their brand is behind the eight ball. And so the only recourse they have and the only frustration they have now is, well, you guys are just the, the arrogant ex-drunk husband who you're losing the divorce battle here. No, nobody's losing the divorce battle here. The people losing the divorce battle are the people in the state of Oregon. And if people can't learn to put their differences aside and say, you know what, there are some traditions that are worth holding on to arrogance or regardless if you're a blue-collar school or regardless of whatever, if you can't put those things aside to say that some traditions are worth keeping, then you're part of the problem and you're part of okay. what the Okay. All right, you, you made your point. You made your point. I got to get to a break here. We're going to talk with Spencer McLaughlin. He's covering the Ducks. They've got a game at Arizona State on Saturday. The Beavers are home in the biggest game of the country on Saturday. They've got Washington. Will all this Pac-12 stuff that's hanging out in the background factor in this game? You better believe the crowd at Reister Stadium is going to be amped. Spencer McLaughlin next. We're at Killer Burger in Westland. We're here till th 6 o'clock. I want you to stop by here, enjoy the great burgers, and enter to win Trailblazers tickets. We've got a pair of Trailblazers tickets, center court tickets. Make sure you get a raffle ticket, put your name on it. You're, you can get a ticket every hour. So if you show up here uh, in the next 10 minutes, stick around until 4 o'clock, you get two tickets. See how I'm thinking? Leave it here. We're broadcasting today until 6 o'clock at the West Lynn Killer Burger location. Stop by. Enjoy the burgers. They've got a special going on as part of the show. Fifteen bucks gets you a burger and a beer. Stop by and enjoy that. We've got a bunch of giveaways, obviously uh, some swag if you want to come in and get it. We also are giving away a pair of Trailblazers tickets. We're giving away a pair of WWE Raw tickets. You can enter to win those. Uh, all you have to do is fill out a raffle ticket, stick it in the box. We're going to draw somebody in hour number three to uh, win those tickets. Um, the Blazers game, the Blazers tickets, I'm uh, currently looking and uh, seeing this. Steven, um, you've been hanging out here. Are, are people entering to win? Like, you know, if you have a, if you are, if you're nearby, are you encouraging people to come by and, uh, and win these tickets? And by the way, you know what? I'm giving away a four-pack of tickets to tonight's Winterhawks game. Hmm. All, all somebody has to do is come through the door, fist bump me, and say, I want to go to the game. I kind of wanted to do it myself, John. Yeah, like right, we get to go to the game. Yeah, right after the show, just go head it over there. But I don't think I'm eligible. I mean, yeah, no people are people are entering, but uh, you know, there's always definitely room for more for those Blazer tickets. I tell you what, John, the Blazers this year, they aren't great. They are winning, but they're yeah. exciting to watch. They're, they're they're doing it in a different way where they're playing defense. So for me, like that's that's what it's about. I, I love defense, and I, it's a different type of style. So it's you know, get in on the ground floor, All right? right. While they're down, the Blazers tickets that I'm going to give away. 
are the Trailblazers playing on March 20th against the Clippers. Mm. I've got a pair of tickets to for somebody to go see the Clippers-Blazers game on March 20th. We'll draw. They are, these are center court tickets. We'll draw a winner at the end of the show today. So if you're nearby, stop in, enter to win. Did you have a take on you know all these Duck fan, Beaver fans who are arguing over whether the game should be played? I, I See, I get it. I get the pettiness that Oregon State has towards Oregon, but I also feel like... I'm with Anna where if you miss it one year, you're risking it of missing it year after year after year. For, so for me, I want to continue the game. I want to keep it going, and I think they should play this year or next year if they can. Uh, you know, I was talking to my buddy. He's a Beaver fan. He's like, why wouldn't we want to play the, the Ducks? You know, it, it seems like a great opportunity, but I'm just afraid. I'm afraid that if, you know, with the ever-changing thing in college football, how if they don't play next season, are they going to play again? And yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to miss it. I love the Civil War. I'm with Judah. Like, that's the most fun time, most fun game of the season. So I don't want to miss that. I don't care when it's played. Just get it done. Don't miss that game because I don't want to miss it out the next couple of years. Well, speaking of uh, Oregon games, we've got Spencer McLaughlin, who uh, hosts a podcast, Locked on Ducks, Locked on the Pac-12. He's also a contributor at 750thegame.com. He has been all over the Ducks all season long. Spencer, before we get into the game itself, um, I reported this morning that there's some discussion about Oregon, you know, potentially either buying out of the Boise State game in 2024 and 2025 and then swapping it for Oregon State or pushing Boise State later in the schedule. Um, do you have a take on that? Should Oregon, should Oregon State, should this series, should the rivalry play, play on, or should this be the end of the Civil War as we know it? Well, a lot, a lot of things should play out in a, in a certain way. Oregon State and Washington State should be in a power conference. The PAC should have been able to stay together. A lot, a lot of shoulds out there in the college football world right now, but one of them is certainly, and we don't know yet, as you said, the game formerly known as the Civil War, I guess, should indeed continue. I, I, I grew up with that game. I know a lot of people that did, and you know, college football is different than the NFL, and I strongly lament the change to make it more like the NFL. And, and anytime someone says, well, that's how they do it in the NFL, I, I rip out what little hair I actually put onto my buzz cut head because I just, I want these things to be different. I don't want everything to be the same. I don't want college basketball to be the same as the NBA. I don't want, you know, college golf to be the same as professional golf. Like, keep... Everything can be its own product because that's what makes it unique and different. And, you know, for college football, that's always been regionality. You know, the, in a given town, the only thing that matters sometimes in a season can be that rivalry game. And you can have a bad year, but, hey, it's okay because we beat this particular team. I never want to lose that. It's unique to college football because the teams just about always, unless they meet in the postseason like Oregon and Washington might, they only play once a year, whereas in the NFL you play two times a year. Like rivalries in college football have, have names, history, and tradition. Anytime I hear someone talk about, you know, like, oh, my gosh, the Ravens and the Steelers are a big rivalry in the NFL, I'm like, it's not getting me to a TV unless, you know, there's actually something I care about, and I can't watch Kenny Pickett try to play offense. So it, it, it's, it's not moving the needle for me, whereas when Alabama plays Auburn, I'm going to tune in every single time. Spencer, uh, this weekend, tomorrow, Oregon at Arizona State. Uh, Kenny Dillingham, the coach at Arizona State, he's been he's been doing some creative things. Uh, can he do anything to keep this game close? Yeah, I think he's going to throw the kitchen sink at Oregon. I think that with Trenton Borgay, the former walk-on quarterback, 
back there behind center. Um, they're limited for sure, but you know they've been running a swinging gate and halfback passes. I, I think you're going to see one of two trick plays, John. Either the the fly sweep throwback to the other side, and, or or a double pass. You might see both. You know, you flare a halfback out of the backfield, swing it to him at the lateral, and he takes a shot down the field. I, I'd watch for one of those plays this weekend. I, I think, you know, it's going to be a challenge for Arizona State to hang around because Oregon is really good and ASU just doesn't have the talent. I think ASU's got the right coach. I mean, Kenny Dillingham, he, he, it's hard to not root for him. You know, he cares about Arizona State a lot, and he loves it there and wants to make it into what I think, you know, people like you and me for decades have looked at and said, yeah, it can be more than it is. It just hasn't been, and I think – He's a guy that's capable of taking them there. But uh, I, I think in this one, he's got to find some real, real clever ways offensively to, to move the ball on the Ducks, whose defense is really good. Um, but this is an Arizona State team that has a great defense. They've had a couple bad games, but they've had some really outstanding efforts, and they play really hard. Um, I, I think if ASU is going to keep it close, they got to be able to keep Bo Nick standing on the sidelines, and they have to be able to limit the explosive plays because, if, if you let Oregon really get rolling offensively, then they're going to be a handful. Give me an idea of best-case scenario for, for Oregon's playoff case. Is, is Oregon State beating Washington bad for Oregon? Meaning, does Oregon want an undefeated Washington team sitting there in the conference championship game to really validate it? Should there be a question about, you know, is, is Oregon worthy of being a top-four team, or does that matter? Yeah, I think Oregon fans collective rooting interests this weekend are incredibly scattered. I think Duck fans need to be in Texas's corner all the way and a former Pac-12 coach and Steve Sarkeesian because currently the, the buffer between Alabama and Oregon is Texas because Texas has the head-to-head. But the committee's made it clear that Oregon is a stronger team, better resume, whatever criteria they're using. feels like they're guessing sometimes because they still don't have Washington in the top four, which is insane, absolutely insane. But Bama scares me a lot because if they don't lose before the SEC championship game against Georgia, there's a world in which you have a 12-1 Bama and a 12-1 Georgia. The SEC champions got to get in, but is a 12-1 Georgia team really going to be left out? They should be, just to be clear. I just don't know that they will. As for the Oregon State-Washington game, it's close as to where Oregon fans should be rooting, but I think the answer is 51-49 Washington <laughs> because I, I think the, the reason I say that is look at how the committee has devalued Washington compared to Florida State and, and Michigan to this point. They have been behind them every single week no matter what, right? Florida State has a game that doesn't quote-unquote pass the eye test and they get a pass for it. Washington does it, and they get punished for it, it appears. So if you're looking at that scenario and go, okay, what if Washington loses at Oregon State? They would then have one loss. And this is going to, this this might be too dramatic. Maybe I'm just, you know, being a little bit worried here, but I can't shake the feeling as a lifelong West Coast college football fan that this could happen. Do you think it's ridiculous, John, that if Washington loses, you could see a swap where Washington and Oregon become the seven and eight teams and Texas and Alabama become the five and six? Hmm. 
I think there, I think the committee wants to set Oregon up and Washington up to validate each other. And so I think you're right that there's some fear there that if things go sideways this weekend, it could uh, it could put a monkey wrench in those things. Spencer, I appreciate you, man. You're doing great work. You can read Spencer at 750thegame.com. Spencer McLaughlin, thank you. Yeah, thank you, John. Good to be on with you as always. Go Ducks. Good stuff from Spencer. Mike Barrett, former Blazer broadcaster, now with the Portland Diamond Project. He's in person here at Killer Burger in Westland. Stop by. We'll be here till 6 o'clock. Enter to win Blazers Clippers tickets. I got a pair of center court tickets for the Blazers and the Clippers. We've got WWE Raw tickets. Enter to win. Stop by Killer Burger in Westland tonight before 6 o'clock. We're talking uh, a lot about the Ducks, the Beavers, the Civil War. I've got Mike Barrett right here on site, Killer Burger Westland. We can keep talking about that same stuff. Adjusting his headset. I like that. I, I don't, I don't tell wear you. these much anymore. Yeah, this you is like unusual. it? You like it? <laughs> Go right back <laughs> in. My head it? used to be shaped because yeah. of a headset. And i got to so tell you, anymore. you got out at a good time. You sold that stock high. I didn't sell yeah. anything. I got chased out. <laughs> you got, you got, <laughs> but you haven't missed anything. You, really? got, you haven't missed a damn thing. I'm just gonna here to tell you that. But it is funny, out. and it's not like yeah. I don't pay attention anymore because there's any bad yeah. blood. I just don't. I, I have so much other stuff going on. I don't yeah. have much time. And so somebody was kind of telling me a minute ago here about the guys injured and these names. Yeah. I've never heard of these guys. Yeah. I just don't. You're not, in, not it. in it. Anymore. You're not in it. And yeah. when you're in it, you know everybody. I mean, there was a time I could have yeah. told you where every player went to college in the league. Yeah. And now I will be on Twitter or something, and I'll see, and I'll think, I don't even know who that guy is. Yeah. And so it's a little bit weird. Something that right. you were so immersed in for so long. So I want to do something different here because I'm going to pepper you a little bit, and I and then I want you to ask me some things yes. too about because you know you're involved obviously with the Portland Diamond Project. I have strong feelings about this. Okay. Can I share them? Yes. And then you can just shoot a hole in my thing. Like I I want Major League Baseball in Portland, okay? I think it needs to happen. I don't think the Lloyd Center is the best place for it. I I think the city probably wants the Lloyd Center to be the spot, but it's not the right place for it. There's not enough room there. There's too much congestion there. I know I have a hard enough time going to a Blazer game. If I want to go to a Blazer game, it's a pain in the butt. You can't even get that we need a more suburban stadium. And I'm looking at that second property that you guys had mentioned as yeah. your second property, the Red Tail, yes, yes. the Red Tail Golf property. The city owns it. Mm-hmm. Why not have somebody at City Hall bang the drum for that property? Sell that thing to you guys today, like tomorrow. Can we do this tomorrow? There, like, there tell me are, I'm crazy. No, there are discussions underway about that very thing, and I agree with you. And I think that. Sometimes if you look at a site that's an urban site, like Lloyd Center, and you say, okay, in a perfect world, if the timing was there and we had time, yeah. my my worry about that is we the, our window is open now, especially with the A's news coming mm-hmm. the last couple of days. It was a it was a unified vote, 30 nothing. So we've got to hit a window now. This, now the timing is more crucial than it's ever been. And we know with owners' meetings and winter meetings coming up, Expansion is going to be the talk because we've told, said all along, the two things that had to happen was the A's and the Rays had to get settled. Okay, that's happened now. And then there we have had some more competition. So when you talk about a site, Salt Lake City came out and said, we've got a 100-acre site in suburban Salt Lake City, and it's got to be something that moves the needle. Big-time development, a la Atlanta Braves in the battery. Mm-hmm. Red Tails 164. Yeah. So that 
big property. That moves the needle. Yeah. So, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, and, and you need – and look, everybody said – Harry Glickman said this to me before he passed away. May he rest in peace. Harry Glickman called me. We had coffee. He said – he brought the Blazers. He knows how you get a team somewhere. He said, John, we need, we need a media person to bang the drum, and you need somebody at City Hall. And he's – okay, so here I'm banging the drum. There's other people banging the drum for this. But you need somebody at City Hall to champion this effort. And I think, you know, for for people who are thinking you want baseball in Portland, you're right. We could sit around waiting for 20 years for the Lloyd Center thing to be right the right time. But if you want baseball, you guys have what? you got to get this done. Got to go. You have to go now. Got to go now. And so the Red Tail property is there and waiting and sitting. And, and I'll tell you, Mayor yeah. Wheeler has been supportive. Okay. And we were just in a meeting with him just recently. I would love for Mayor Wheeler to have a statue outside the stadium saying he championed this thing. I yeah. will chisel it. Yeah. And, and here you go. So Out of hardwood. All right. When, we, when, when I say the window for timing, mm. what are we talking about? Well, we'll see once winter, winter meetings come, once the owner meetings come. We would like to have something by the first of the year under contract to okay. be able to say. Because that honestly, that's the linchpin. If you can say you've got your land under contract, and especially if it's a piece of land like that, yeah. that's what investors, developers, they run. I mean, we've flock we've got our investors, but yeah. I mean, the ancillary development. Have you been to the Battery in Atlanta? Yeah, I sixty-five see it. it's, acres. It's amazing. It's, it's and that's yeah. what everybody wants. That's yeah. what the Rangers have now. Yeah, it's that. It's only eight miles from. The core of Portland, it's so not, it's not like we it's ran a short out. Uber, and we didn't run yeah. there first. So we, you know, we ticked off the six sites that were in the city. Yeah. So it's not like it. That was the, you know, it just so happens that this is a golden opportunity. So yes, let's make. It I happen. was in downtown Atlanta when the Ducks were playing Georgia, two seasons ago. Yeah. And um, the Braves happened to be it, it playing a game, and. I, it was an $8 Uber ride from downtown Atlanta to the ballpark. And that's Atlanta traffic. Yeah. And that's like 13 miles. Nothing. Right? For, I yeah. think from downtown yeah. Atlanta. And, I, and like I, think, I, I do think like the suburban families who are off in the south side of Portland, would Wilsonville, uh, you know, it would, would flock to it. And, yeah. it. and it makes it an easier get for people in Salem and Corvallis and Albany and Woodburn if they're coming up for a game. I, I We've know. always said it's been a regional. Yeah. A regional gain. That's the opportunity here. So let's hope. All right. So I'm I'm uh, going to champion that. It's red tail or bust for me. Okay. Okay. So I don't know. People are the Lloyd Center thing. I get it. They need a, the city needs a win there. It's also complex right now. It's yeah. not sitting. It's not as easy. It's not as I don't think we could hit the timing window with that. That's okay. the concern there. All right. So you heard it here on this show. If you're a baseball fan. Uh, get in touch with City Hall and let <laughs> uh, your local commissioner your your mayor, let them know that somebody needs to champion the effort for the Red Tail property in uh, MLB to PDX. Um, look, you're a kid who grew up here, okay? Yep. Oregon State, um, Washington tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be there. That's a big – are you going to be there? Yeah. Big game. I'll be on the sidelines, actually. You, you're going to be on the sidelines. Yeah. Are you coaching? I'm not chain crew again. That was <laughs> no. last week. Oh, you were on the chain gang last chain week. Chain gang last week. My <laughs> job was to lay down – this is Wait awesome. Wait a minute. Wait like fourth and short, my yes. parents so on I've the got chain a, gang. I've got a buddy who's been on the chain gang for years, and he called me a couple weeks ago, not like a month ago, and he said, the Stanford game, we're, we're missing a guy. Do you okay. want to do, do it? And I said, absolutely. So I was down there wearing the Pac-12 bib, which I didn't steal. Yeah. People asked if I did, because now yeah. it's going to be a collector's yeah. item, perhaps. But my job, I was on the Oregon State bench, and essentially where the line to gain was, that chain, I would lay the little orange arrow on the uh, ground, Yeah. and then I would 
just stand there and watch the game. You get paid for that? That's no, a hell of a job. I didn't job. get paid. <laughs> a- I, I should have been paying because it was it was unbelievable to be and the bench, the players, the yeah. coaches. I'm, you know, I'm five feet from Jonathan the whole game. Yeah, and he but, knows you. Like he's. Yeah, yeah, he looked at me and couldn't place me. And then finally, he goes, "What in the world are you doing down here?" <laughs> and then, and Coach Waz, same thing. Tight yeah. ends coach, great guy. And I played golf with Waz in August, and he said I slapped him a couple times while I was running by him, and he kept looking back, going, "Why is this guy in this Pac-12?" Oh, I wish I'd have known that. It was yeah. great. Mitch Canham said, yeah. "How can I get that job?" But it was really fun. To see the game yeah. from that perspective yeah. and to hear the the players talking, coaches talking, and then the exchange in and out. You almost get run over by substitutions. Uh, it was great to see. And it was great to watch Jonathan that close up and watch the and, poise. And, and how hard-hitting the game oh, is. Yeah. You don't get it, it on TV. No, and I did sidelines for the Ducks for eight years back yeah. in the day. So I saw a lot of that, but I, I didn't see it from the standpoint of being, you know, because plays come your way. I didn't get taken out yeah. Saturday. I was kind of hoping I would. But... <laughs> when, when I was doing duck games, I went down one time. But when when you're on the bench, so when you're when you're 20 to goal line, you can back up because yeah. there's nobody yeah. behind you. But if you're on the bench, you back up into Nowhere a wall because yeah. the team is there. So a couple of times, I thought this will be a bad deal if if I have to back up. And they're all running for that little marker too. That's and, the thing. And like, DJ and Childs were right next to me at one point. And I know you know I haven't seen those guys in person. DJ is a big dude. 250 I underestimated pounds. Yeah. how big he is. He's and so is Aiden. And Aiden, yeah. it was such a such a young kid, which he is, just turning 18. I love his love for the game and how he plays the game. He's a he's a great kid. I love how you play the game, Mike Barrett. I appreciate you, you coming by. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it. It's the Red Tail property now. Okay. For MLB to PDX, I'm I'm championing that property. Gotta gotta get the city to to get moving. Need somebody at City Hall. To uh, to find uh, some motivation and some love for this project, and they have been good. Let me say that they right. are they are they are uh, engaged. I'll say that after the deal's done. Okay. Okay. Mike they Garrett. are engaged, and the oddity is the city of Portland owns right. that property. You gonna hang out for a bit? I might, but yeah. I got to go down to the Wilsonville uh, Summit football game in Salem Ooh. tonight. Semifinals, five A. Yeah. yeah, we're so gonna be I'm heading down that. there soon. We're gonna be talking about that coming up. We've okay. got a guest coming up to talk about all the high school semifinal games. And Westland Central Catholic tonight. I think it's Westland Jesuit. It is. Is that right, or is it Central? I thought it was Central Catholic. Catholic. Is it Central? Is Central? Yeah, I think it's Central, and then it's uh, Tualatin Sherwood. Well, there you go. Which should be good games tonight. All right, so we'll get a we'll get a low we'll get the scouting report on that from the folks at Scorebook Live coming up. Uh, Mike Barrett, thank you for stopping by. Johnny, anytime. Keep up the fight. All right, we're at Pillar Burger and Westland. We're here till six o'clock. We're giving away Blazers, Clippers tickets. Enter to win. We are broadcasting from Killer Burger in Westland. We're here till six o'clock, and here's the uh, here's the special announcement. We're giving away a pair of Blazers tickets, center court to the Blazers Clippers game that is taking place in March uh, later this NBA season, and you're eligible to get a raffle ticket every hour. So if you're hanging out here at the Killer Burger, it just turned to four o'clock. You can come and get another ticket. Because you are present. So uh, you don't have to be present to win. Make sure that you keep the other half of your ticket and uh, fill out the back side of the ticket you put into the box. But if you are here, it's now in the 4 o'clock hour, you get a second ticket. So you can do that. You're eligible to win. You get another opportunity. Uh, For somebody, if you are out driving around, we are in West Lynn. We're at the Killer Burger. I like to call it the Killer Burger. The Killer Burger? It's the Killer Burger. The Killer Burger. How are you doing, Anna? How's it? Well, hi. Um, 
Anything I'm missing as far as promoting the event today? No, just we have a great crowd here. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there's give it up for the crowd. Kids crafts. Let's give it up for the crowd. And uh, I don't know. I'm just a big fan of like the people who own this place because yeah. they really buy into the community. And um, you know, they just th- it's this is the place to go like after a soccer game or have your end of season ceremony and that kind of thing. I so. met the owners, and uh, the owners have their son Logan yes. ru- running the operation. Yes. And every time we come here, I look in the back. Logan's ba- in the back. He's making burgers. He's running around. I told the parents they should keep Logan. Yeah. Just keep him. You should keep him. <laughs> don't, don't disown that kid. He is. Uh, he's running the operation. They do a great job here. We'd love to see you here at the Killer Burger. Stop by. You can win Blazers tickets. Say hello to us. Um, you know, I know it's not like the most entertaining thing to watch a radio broadcast, but it's fun. We have fun people in the room, and uh, we're having a good time. Somebody told me that they're enjoying the fact that they get to actually see my reactions to yeah. you, my facial expressions as yeah. I'm eye-rolling you. The nonsensical. You. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about earlier that uh, that we disagreed on? Oh, there was I don't know. There was something we <laughs> really... so many things no, we, we disagreed were driving, on. No, we were driving earlier today, and uh-huh. something came up. Yeah. And I don't even remember. Think about what it was. I will. And I'll bring you back on after I do this interview I'm about to do. Okay. Okay, I've got B.J. Reigns. He covers Boise State. Why am I bringing BJ on? Well, he's the guy with uh, Boise State. He is uh, covering that program. Bronco Nation News is the media outlet that uh, that he uh, publishes with. Um, there's a couple reasons I want to talk to BJ. One, Oregon State potentially announcing the scheduling partnership, the Pac-2 maybe scheduling some of the Mountain West Conference teams. Uh, I want to. I want BJ's assessment of on what that could mean, what could be uh, going into that. Secondarily, the report this morning I wrote it at johnconzano.com. It it appears that Oregon is talking to Boise State about potentially backing out of, or buying their way out of, or trading their way out of the September 14th game next season. Boise State's supposed to come to Autzen Stadium. 2025, the Ducks are supposed to go back. That's a big game for Boise State. It's a Big Ten Conference team. Nothing finalized, but uh, we'll get the latest on, like, from Boise State's standpoint, why would they be interested in doing that? B.J. Reigns joining us now. B.J., thank you for your patience. Um, First, let's start with the coaching search. Andy Avalos is out. Any sense on what went wrong for Andy at Boise State? Oh, man, not sure where to, where to begin on that. Uh, I mean, it was the perfect hire at the time. Everybody loved it. He was a former player, a legend. I mean, everybody just thought it was the perfect hire, but it just never worked out for whatever reason. He had some uh, game management issues. There were some various uh, things during games that, that didn't work out. Um, there were some issues within the locker room. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, just never got it going there. And they've had two of the three worst seasons, basically, that Boise State's had in the last 30 years. Uh, under Andy, and so just never got it going. I was still surprised. A lot of the boosters liked him. A lot of the people that uh, have the ear of the athletic director really liked him. So I thought maybe after the season there would be a chance, but you had a, a player transfer, a star-wide receiver transfer with three games left. You had a, an incident with a, a staffer uh, getting fired by Andy uh, where there was an altercation last week. So just some stuff was starting to happen. I think there was some folks really uh, just uh, not loving the behind the scenes the way things were going, and uh, the athletic director heard all he needed to hear and, and made the switch really surprisingly, almost stunningly, uh, right after a 30-point win uh, the next morning. So, um, yeah, it was surprising, but really haven't heard which direction they might go yet. I mean, I know everyone wants to throw out Kellen Moore's name and Chris Peterson. It's the same names every time. 
Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's a, a the defensive coordinator on staff, Spencer Danielson, I think is going to get a real look, and I think he'd be a great hire, but it just depends how much of a splash the athletic director wants to make. And, and frankly, I mean, this job probably isn't quite as appealing as it was a couple of years ago. They've had a couple of tough seasons, but, again, with a 12-team playoff starting, all you got to do is win, be the top group of five team to get in that. And with the transfer portal and everything else, I mean, you could uh, really put yourself in contention for that next year if you're able to make a couple of – big additions in the portal and things like that. So I still think it's somewhat of an attractive job, but probably not where it was three, four, five years ago. But I know there'll be a lot of people interested in it for sure. Brian Harson uh, popped into my head, and I, I can't be alone. Does he get a sniff here, or is uh, does that is there no going home? He's still living in Boise, never sold his house. So uh, I think he probably would be interested in that. I don't know if uh, the fan base would be super uh, excited about that. I mean, I think people – took him for granted a little bit. I mean, um, they, they lost some games and stuff, but you look up and they were still having 10 win seasons almost every year. His last full season there before COVID, they went 12-2, and two, uh, lost to Coach Pete in his last game in the Vegas Bowl. I mean, he was a heck of a coach and won a lot of games, but I know he kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. And um, I think once Avalos started to struggle, people were like, man, maybe Brian Harson wasn't that bad. Um, but I, I would be surprised if they go in that direction. Um, I think Brian Harson would be a perfect candidate down at San Diego State. Uh, I would keep an eye on San Diego State for Brian Harson. I think he'd be a perfect candidate down there. I think he could have a lot of success down there. Um, I'm not saying no for sure to Boise State, but I would be a little surprised. But I, I do think Brian Harson wants to coach again. I had him on my show a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's relaxed and, and refreshed and rejuvenized, and I do think he wants to coach. I think he would be interested in Boise State. I'm not sure that would be a big enough, you know, the, the fan base would take him back for, for round two. But, again, if they strike out on some of their other candidates, they could do a lot worse than Brian Harson for sure. Let's talk a little bit about the Mountain West Conference in Oregon State and Washington State, potentially the scheduling partnership. How is that playing in, in the Mountain West footprint? Well, I mean, I think whole, going down to the seven conference games is a little odd. I mean, um, they would obviously have to redo the entire Mountain West schedule. Um, and, you know, with the playoffs starting next year, I do think there's implications to that because Boise State's, you know, current schedule next year, they don't play Air Force, they don't play Fresno State, they don't play San Diego State. So uh, Boise State was feeling pretty good about the schedule and mm. having a chance, like I said, compete for that uh, spot in the playoff next year. Um, I think it's solid. I mean, you're adding quality games into the conference. I think that most people would just like to bring Oregon State and Washington State into the conference as a I don't think they understand kind of why they need to redo their entire Mountain West schedule just to play them, but then have it not count for anything. Um, but if there's money involved in things and it works out financially, uh, I think it makes you know some sense for, for these teams. You get to add five more, six quality games onto your schedule. Um, but there would obviously be a lot that has to happen with the, the redoing the schedules and all that. Um, some teams are already playing one of those teams, like Boise State's already playing Oregon State, so then they would just play Washington State now. So I think overall it's been – uh, a positive, and it's only for two years, and then you see what happens. But I think some people just would rather say, "Hey, we either join our league or don't." And and uh, you know, but, but we'll see at this point. Yeah, I, I get it from Oregon State and Washington State standpoint. It solves a problem, right? Gives them six games to fill in their schedule, keeps them on the western part of the United States, gives them a little taste of the Mountain West. They can sample it a little bit and see if it's you know, do they really want to join in two years? But there there's a risk here that they don't join that they just say, hey, it's just a two-year thing, and then they look to try to get to the Big 12 or somewhere else? Or do they come after some of the top Mountain West Conference schools? Now, you tell me. You know that conference better than anybody, BJ. Would there be an appetite with maybe the top six teams of those at that conference saying, 
you know what, we'd like to break away. We'd like to, um, you know, be away from maybe uh, New Mexico and San Jose State. And it would Colorado State, Air Force, Boise State, Fresno State, UNLV, would those schools want to maybe, um, would they be eyeing a, uh, this as an opportunity? Yeah, I think depending on what it looked like and how many teams included, I think the Pac-12 name still carries some weight. Uh, I think if they could build it into a strong enough conference that, um, you know, would, would still be a, a national uh, conference, so to speak, maybe not quite in that Power 4, Power 5 level, but if they could uh, easily make it the top group of five uh, league and, and keep the name and keep some of that money and the revenue that comes with it, I mean, sure, I, I think there would be some, some appetite there. I think it all comes down to, to finances. But, yeah, if you could take uh, – uh, you know, a San Diego State and a UNLV and Boise State and some of the schools, I think certainly that would make a lot of sense. I mean, uh, Wyoming and, and New Mexico and, and Utah State and some of these schools that you would feel sorry for, where they just don't bring a lot to the table. Hawaii is in the league for football, and that's just usually nothing more than a painful, painful road trip that messes with your schedule that you have to go play in Hawaii. So, um, yeah, if they could get eight or ten teams, I know there might be a provision in the contract that they can't take some of the teams, they would have to take all the teams. Maybe that would just be during the two-year period. Um, I don't know how that would get you know played out in terms of the paperwork and the legality part of that. But, uh, yes, I think if it was a improved league, if it improved their chances of you know getting to the, the college football playoff and things like that, and there's more money involved, it all comes down to money, as we know. But if it was better financially, I certainly think schools like Boise State would have to take a hard look at that. We're talking to B.J. Reigns. He is with Bronco Nation News. He's got his finger on the pulse at Boise State. Um, you know, there's obviously a season that needs to be finished here, but, the, you know, this morning I reported that Oregon is at least talking with Boise State about potentially getting out of that game next season, maybe the first two years of that three-year deal that they had with Boise State. Well, how, do you, how complex is that in your world? Because I think – there's mixed feelings here. Some of the Oregon State fans don't want to play that Civil War game, but it looks like Oregon's at least exploring that opportunity, and that September 14th date appears to be the only date that they're talking about right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of complex from a different le- couple levels on the Boise State side. Uh, first of all, Boise State had to cancel a 2020 home game against Florida State because of COVID. They canceled a Michigan State game uh, because they had to get out of that series for some reason. Uh, they canceled a Houston home game for next year already because uh, Houston didn't have enough games being in the Big 12 or had too many games. So Boise State has lost a lot of marquee home games over recent years, and fans are pretty ticked off about it. So I think any part of this needs to include a rescheduling of the 2025 game if it can't happen. Uh, I think the AD would just be raked over the coals if they were to just get rid of the, the of Oregon coming to Boise. That was the game they were originally supposed to have their new North End Zone project done for. That's still the goal. Um, they're, they're, there's been a lot of focus in Boise on that 2025 uh, game being kind of a huge game for this program. So, first of all, I don't think, it, you know, maybe they push it back to 26, 27, 28, but I think a Oregon home game in Boise uh, has to happen as part of this deal. I cannot see them just ripping up the first few years and saying, okay, we'll just make it a one-off in 26 or 20 and come to come to Austin Stadium. I, I just don't see that happening unless there's a lot of money uh, exchanging hands. So if it's financially worth it for Boise State, and they can go, you know, maybe, but I just I want to throw that out, that part out there first. The yeah. fans would be really mad, and I think, I think the athletic director is cognizant of that part of it. So I believe there will be some element of a home game in Boise with Oregon at some point during this uh, process. But with that said, 
the 2024 schedule is pretty hard for Boise State. They already play Oregon State. Now they're going to be playing Washington State. Um, I mean, you're try- they're trying to make the playoff next year. Like, you don't need to play, you know, three quote-unquote Power 5 games, or you don't need to play Oregon and Oregon State and Washington State in the non-conference. So uh, I think it would ease up Boise State's 2024 schedule I- with a new coach coming in next year. Like, just on the surface, getting rid of next year's game I don't think would be that opposing, you know, uh, uh, you know, of an issue to Boise State. I think they'd be okay with that if they made some money, whether it was to uh, help bring in another team. They already have an FCS team on the schedule in Portland State, so they would have to try to go find somewhat of a decent opponent. You know, you're not to want to come in and play them, so I think that is part of it is who can they get to replace them. They already have an FCS game. They're not going to get another one. That makes it tougher, I think, in terms of who they can go find. But I think they would do the one in 24. I think they'd be willing to talk. They'd be willing to help them out. If they get enough money out of it and they can still get another game and it eases their schedule, another home game out of it especially, and ease the ease the uh, scheduling, I think that's something they would look at. But like I said, if it's a two-year thing with 25, there's going to be more to it than that because I don't think Boise State's going to give up that home game very easily. B.J. Reigns, Bronco Nation News, is with us. B.J., um, before I let you go here, uh, just the Mountain West in general, the expanded playoff, I think, was viewed by the group of five conferences as a real opportunity to get involved in the playoff. It hadn't had an opportunity before. Um, the the idea that, you know, Boise State, Fresno State have played at the top of that conference, but here comes Oregon State into the conference, and Oregon State's saying we're going to continue to fund like we're a power five. Um, you know, how how good could that conference be? And it, is the conference champion in the Mountain West in most years going to get a berth? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, obviously for the next couple of years, we'll see if they change the 6-plus-6 six six format and or when they go to the 5-plus-7. But, yeah, I think the Mountain West, with all the defections uh, from the American going to the Big 12, I think the Mountain West is really set up in most years. This year's a little bit different, you know, but you see UNLV now coming on. Uh, you see what Fresno has been doing. I still think San Diego State, you know, can get it going there at some point. You've got Boise State. I mean, I still think there's enough teams. I mean, uh, even Air Force at one point was kind of that projected team this year before dropping a couple games. So I think the Mountain West is a quality conference. If they're able to add in, you know, an Oregon State, a Washington State, add to the strength of schedule, add some quality games, there is no reason why the Mountain West couldn't be that extra league. I mean, it's either them or the American. I mean, nothing against the Sun Belt Conference USA. They just can't compete with the Mountain West. And so I think most years that's what it's going to come down to. And if you know, hey, we just got to win our conference and we're getting in, I think you welcome that challenge of Oregon State and Washington State. You add them to your league and you take your chances with that. And I, I think that uh, it's a really exciting uh, exciting proposition for, for the Mountain West. And so um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think they'd like that. For, like I said, some fans are like, you know, I've heard from some fans they don't want to play them for this two-year scheduling thing because they're like, hey, you either want to join our league or you don't. But I think this is a good two-year thing. Get the relationship going with them and see what happens. And, and uh, I think they're perfect fits. I think they make a lot of sense. They make the league stronger. I mean, you know, may, you may know more than me, but I'm, I'm curious what happens with basketball. What happens with these yeah. other sports? Like, well, where is the Oregon State basketball team going to go for the next two years if they try to keep this uh, pack, pack two together? I think they, they feel like a perfect uh, fit in the, in the Mountain West more than – you know, maybe even if you want to say, say it more than football. So I'm curious on the other sports what happens, yeah. but I think it makes a lot of sense for these these uh, teams in this league to get together. Yeah, I think the other sports are mostly going to be included. I do think, like, baseball probably looking at the Big West instead of uh, the Mountain West. But I, I think that, you know, as I talk to uh, sources in the Mountain West Conference offices, BJ, I'm being told that, it includes more than football. They're talking about some other things. BJ, I really appreciate you giving us your time and your expertise, and uh, 
I, I expect we're going to see a lot of you next year in <laughs> Corvallis and uh, possibly see you on that blue field. So I appreciate you joining us. Looking forward to it. Always enjoy it. I've enjoyed both the trips to those places. Looking forward to it and uh, always happy to come on anytime with you. Take care, man. All right. B.J. Reigns, there he goes with uh, Bronco Nation News. Uh, Stephen, we are broadcasting at Killer Burger in West Lynn today. Good crowd here. I love it. Uh, a lot of people are entered to win uh, the Blazers, Clippers, courtside seats. We've got WWE Raw tickets that are being uh, 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 raffled off. I was going to say auctioned. Raffled off as well. Make sure if you're here at the Killer Burger that you uh, fill out a raffle ticket. You don't need to be present to win, but you need to be present to stick it into the box and write your name on the back of the ticket. So if you're anywhere nearby, pop by Killer Burger in West Lynn. We will be here till 6 o'clock. Don't show up at 6.01 and try to enter to win. That's We're going to raffle that ticket off. We're going to draw somebody's name right at 6 o'clock, right on the buzzer. So... Uh, make sure that you, you stop by here and get that ticket in and enjoy a great burger. I, I like the uh, I like the classic burger. So good. Did well, you I, have a burger already? I haven't had one yet. I'm I'm, I'm kind of waiting for after the show so I can really yeah. enjoy it because I don't want to I don't want to just stuff it down my yeah. face. Anna, I've done that before. It's, yeah. it's not good. Anna asked me that. She says should should I get you a burger? And I was like, it's going to be hard for me because then it's sitting in front of me. But I can't eat it. Well, and then you're I'm talking. Yeah, and then you're talking to people, yeah. and then you got food all over your face. Like you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta focus yeah. on this. You've burger. seen me eat. I have. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I heard from Anna too. <laughs> there you go. Um, hey, real, real quick. Uh, you know, you've got your kids here. Yeah. You know, tell me. I don't get to meet these guys. Yeah, I'm putting them to work. I'm uh, actually yeah. sending Lincoln out, and he's giving out raffle tickets to people. Nice. So, uh, you know, he's he's our intern. And Lincoln's now. the uh, card collector. He is. I know. What is he into? What is he collecting? He's into uh, basketball cards. You yeah. know, he loves Anthony Simons, so okay. he, he's into him. Uh, Shane Sharp, all, all the Blazers, basically. You know, I've, I've taught him to be a Blazer fan, for better or worse. Yeah, you're a good dad. Thank you. you, you know, and you got to be loyal. Get it on the ground floor, yeah. like I said earlier. You know, buy stock now, so when they're good, you're like, yeah, yeah. I was in when they were bad. Uh, and I also think, yeah, because he could say, I'm not a bandwagon fan. Right. Like, 20 years from now when they win a championship. Right. Like that's Sco- what it's going to take. <laughs> if Scoot Henderson's really good, be like, look, I was here when he was a rookie, yeah. you know. Well, he's a card collector. He's collecting all these newfangled, you know, refractors and prism and parallels. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, I don't even understand what's going on. I you mean, got it right. Yeah. I yeah. I don't, right I don't really understand it. I don't. I don't you really know? either. It's uh. It takes. It takes a while. I'll tell you what. I, it's a lot of research. But I. I'm collecting like the vintage stuff, the old stuff. That's still got a market. I'll tell it you does. What. It does. But now I can't touch it. I can't. You no, know. because it might like it's disintegrate. All, yeah. So it's all in. You know. It's all uh, been graded. Ooh. And it's been put away. There you go. You know? That's like uh, kids' college funds, then, hopefully. Uh, no. No, maybe. not that much. If one of them shows interest, <laughs> I need them to show a little interest in this stuff. All right. So do you take him, like, to the card shop? Is that, like, an outing you guys do? He's yeah. Not, he, he's uh, nodding yes. I mean, he he could go there every single day. I have to, like, you know, shut it down. Be yeah. like, you know what? Let's, let's try to go, you know, once every two weeks or if there's a, a card but do show. You, do you do a thing in your family, like, where he has chores, and then if he does them, he gets to buy a pack? I wish. No. You just working free? You know, we need to have a conversation. Yeah, see, John's going to put you. That's why I'm putting him to work right now. He's handing out tickets. <laughs> He's working free? He's got to earn. Well, you need to put a roof over his head. That's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you know. so there's earn that. Your, earn your keep, Lincoln. Let's go. All right, we've got so much more ahead. Uh, we're going to play Punch It Audio coming up. Again, we're, at, we're in West Lynn, Oregon, the mean streets. Uh, we're at Killer Burger. We're here till 6 o'clock. Stop by, enter to win Blazers, Clippers tickets, WWE Raw tickets. We've got some giveaways. We've got some swag. Stop by, 
Give us a fist bump and say hi. <laughs> okay, I remembered what uh, we disagreed on earlier today. Okay, we're driving in middle of the day, and uh, Anna makes this comment. She's looking up at the leaves that are on the trees, and she's saying, "Is it? What did you say? Look how colorful it is. Look at how colorful it is." And then my train of thought was, like an old person. My train of thought was. <laughs> I don't really notice the leaves. I don't really stop. I'm not that kind of person where I'm looking around. I look up at the leaves and go, it's really pretty. I don't do that. Yeah. I don't But you went think, a step further. Yeah, because I grew up a little bit rural and we had leaves. Yeah. And so it's not a big deal that the leaves are changing on the trees. So not only did you so, not agree with me, you were like, well, isn't this what's supposed to happen? Like, yeah. it's fall, the leaves change right. color, and then they fall off, and it gets ugly, and then in the spring, Pretty, everything come gets back. pretty again. And this is how it works. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not really giving credit to Mother Nature. This is She's doing what she's supposed to do right now. <laughs> and I get, but I, my other thought was like, is that going to, I literally said to you, I said, is this what you're going to be thinking about, like, in your final days? Will you be thinking, you know, how beautiful are the trees? I'll be thinking about people, Anna. That's okay. Not trees and leaves. I never said I'd be yeah. thinking about that as I died. You didn't have to yuck my yum <laughs> is basically like what I felt. Well, I guess it's a little bit okay that you are the kind of person. I think it's good for our kids that you're the kind of person that notices the leaves. Yeah. Because I'm not the kind of person that notices the leaves. And our kids yeah. happen to be dancing right in front of us yeah. during the broadcast. Yep. But, right now. Um. But I, on a show. But you. But I do notice, like, if the kids are walking on the sidewalk, and they stop and they pick up a leaf. Yes. That's you. That's your influence well, on them. Well, thank God, someone. Because I'm not going to be. Doesn't just look around and go, "Well, this is just what supposed to be what happens." Somebody's going to need to get that leaf off the sidewalk. That's what I'm thinking. Leaves. The leaves. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you know, you notice those things. Yeah. It's good. There's a little yin and a yang going so on. So glad there. we had that moment today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that was yeah. the that was our disagreement. Yeah, it, it was, only took us like forty it, minutes look, to figure I, that I'm out. I'm not I'm not saying that it's not pretty outside. No, I'm just saying I don't really think to give a nod <laughs> to it as I'm meandering around my day. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like the equivalent is like you walk by a garbage can and it stinks, and you're like, well, it's supposed to stink. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Or if it doesn't stink, I don't go. Hey, credit to whoever's in charge of that garbage can. Like I, I got bigger. I'm thinking about bigger things. <laughs> uh, we are broadcasting at Killer Burger in Westland, where uh, there's a uh, lively crowd here, and uh, we are giving away Blazers Clippers tickets to some. Somebody's going to win those tickets in hour three. So if you um, fill out the raffle tickets and put it into the box, you will have an opportunity to win. You don't have to be present to win. You're going to put your name and phone number on it, but you do need to be present to fill out the ticket. So you have to stop by. Uh, I appreciate everybody who has come by to this point. We've been talking a lot on the show today about the uh, Civil War football game, whether it should be played next week. It'll be the 127th meeting between Oregon and Oregon State. That'll take place at Autzen Stadium. But tomorrow it'll be Research Stadium, I think, has the biggest game in the country. It is Washington playing at Oregon State. It is a huge football game. Uh, I'm picking, I'm picking uh, Oregon State to win the game. I think they're going to win 30. I have it 34-31. I think it's going to be that kind of game. I think it will be. Uh, if it's a little wet on the field, I do think it benefits Oregon State. But I just, you know, and I, 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 my, my friends who are Beaver fans don't want to hear this. 
I just think it lines up for Oregon State. And, you know, the spread had moved. Wait, why do your friends who are Beavers fans don't want to Because they feel that? like it's they don't want to hear that they're going to win because it's almost a jinx okay. to talk about them winning. But, I see. But look. I um they really like live their role as the underdog. I'm I'm picking like I'm almost 88% this season in the Pac-12 picking winners. Just the winner of the game. Mm-hmm. And I I got Oregon State winning this game. They're a home favorite. I think they're this game is built for them. I think they will physically batter Washington tomorrow. I think DJ Uyunglele is just good enough to to not make mistakes. He'll make a couple plays. I think Michael Penix is going to have some big plays. I think Washington will score like 30, 31 points. But I think Oregon State's the, a better team at Reeser Stadium than Washington. Now, I don't think I'm going to pick Oregon State next week, though. I, I think the Why? game Because I think it's a different animal going to Oregon. I think that's a much more difficult game than playing Washington at home. And, you know, we saw, we've seen what Oregon State does at Reeser Stadium. They're 17-1 and in their last 18. I even looked up how do they perform – Relative to the point spread in the last two years, they are about eight and a half points better at home, even when you factor the spread in. They're beating the spread by eight and a half points at home. So it's they're not just winning at home, they're covering the spread at home. And they are a one and a half point favorite now. That's, that spread has shrunk a little bit, down to one and a half. So I, I just think it's a really interesting matchup for them. I think it lines up very favorably for them. Now, we still have people holding. We want to talk about the Civil War. Okay. Should that should it be played? Jeremy is in Salem. Salem is as neutral as it gets. Jeremy, <laughs> what do you say? Well, I, I'm when it comes to the, everyone talking about the Beavers or the Ducks and Huskies going to the Pac-12 title game, nobody's talking about the Beavers actually possibly winning out the rest of the season and going to that Pac-12, Pac-12 game. Uh, what are your thoughts on that when it comes to their possibility of doing that? Yeah, let me give you the scenarios for all the teams. Let's start with Washington. Washington would clinch a spot in Las Vegas with a win against Oregon State. Uh, and, or if Utah beats Arizona, Washington clinches. So those are the two scenarios for the Huskies to clinch tomorrow. Oregon clinches with a win over Arizona State and a Washington win over Oregon State. And a Utah win over Arizona. So Oregon needs to win its game and also have Washington and Utah win to clinch tomorrow. This is to clinch tomorrow. Oregon State can stay in contention for a spot in the Pac-12 championship game by beating Washington. Or if Utah beats Arizona and Arizona State beats Oregon. So Oregon State can stay in contention within, you know, either by winning or by those other two things happening. The, them winning is the more likely, because I don't think Arizona State's going to beat Oregon. Arizona has to beat Utah to stay in contention. Utah has to uh, beat Arizona, and then it needs a whole bunch of other things to go right. But you know what? Last year, Utah went into the final week of the season. It needed five different things to happen. They all happened. And Utah went to the title game and beat USC. I forgot that. They, they yeah. needed – it wasn't – they win in the last, you know, they had to play Colorado that, that last game of last season. Mm-hmm. It wasn't beat Colorado and you're in. It was beat Colorado, have Oregon State beat Oregon, and there were three other things. And remember, Oregon State was down by 17 in the fourth quarter. Utah in the fourth quarter of that game was going, our season's over. And then a quarter later, they were like, ah, oh, we still have a chance. And then a bunch of other things happened. 
and Utah ended up in the championship game instead of Washington, instead of Oregon, and ended up beating USC and winning the Pac-12 championship. So, look, Oregon State's still in control of its destiny to some extent. It it has an Arizona problem if it gets into a multi-team tiebreaker with the Wildcats because they lost head-to-head. It has a little bit of an Arizona problem, but there are a multitude of ways in which that can be rectified, and one of them is Utah beating Arizona tomorrow. So if you're an Oregon State fan, you root for Oregon State to beat Washington. You don't care if Oregon wins. It doesn't really matter. And you root for Utah to beat Arizona. And that really helps Oregon State uh, tomorrow as it pertains to tomorrow. You grew up in the Pac-12 footprint. Are you sad that this is all coming to an end yeah, right now? Yeah, it's happening too fast for me. This season, I thought this season would I would savor it a little more. I, I can't believe we're in week 12. And there's, there's two games to go. Tomorrow will be the last Pac-12 game as we know it at Reeser Stadium. Then it'll be the last Pac-12 game between Oregon State and Oregon being in the same conference unless something happens in the future. So it's happening a little too fast for me. And I'm, you know, I'm, I uh, applied for the credential, the media credential for the Pac-12 championship game the other day, and I, I, it, it kind of hit me when I was putting that credential request in. I was like, there, this will be the last Pac-12 championship game. And, you know, here it is, this, this annual game at the end of the season, and, you know, maybe uh, I had hoped at the beginning of the year Oregon and Oregon State would play in it. I think we'll get, may, we'll get at least one of those schools in that game. I think it'll, uh, you know, and I, you know, maybe the Civil War is going to be for the uh, a berth in the Pac-12 championship game. And, and Oregon State will be going to Autzen Stadium and the Ducks having to uh, hold serve there to, to get in there. So, you know, yeah, it's going too fast. I don't want to say I'm sad. Because there's part of me that's a little bit angry about it. Mm -hmm. But you can be both. You can be sad and angry. I feel like I have to pick a horse. (laughs) Like, I'm more angry than sad. Like, you know, it was a failure of leadership. Larry Scott and George Klyovkov, criminal. The Pac-12 presidents and chancellors, ridiculous. There's also greed. You know, it's like like that movie... um, the, about the oil, what was it? The blood movie, oil, uh, you know, come on. Oh, yeah. Come on. I'd ask somebody else, but, you know. There, there will be, be blood. blood. Thank oh, you. thank God we're doing this in front thank of a you. live audience. Thank this is you. like phone a friend If right I was here. at home right now, do you know how long that would have taken yeah. me? Blood movie. Yeah, yeah. Googling. Hours. Just hours. Uh, all right, there will be blood. It's like there will be, like, they should make a movie about this and what went wrong. It's, it's greed. It's uh, a little bit of... You know, 10 presidents all, like, at the end, I remember that week where the Pac-12 disintegrated. It was a Thursday morning. I got um, I got a call from Dan Patrick's producer who said, hey, we want to have you on the show because we want you to talk about what's going to happen to the Pac-12. I reached out to several Pac-12 presidents that morning. I reached out to George Klyovkov, the commissioner, that morning. I talked to them all before I made that appearance, and I went on the Dan Patrick show, and I said, it comes down to Oregon. If Oregon stays in the Pac-12, everyone's staying. Washington's not leaving without Oregon. You know, and, and you can argue, did Washington yeah. leave? Did Oregon leave? You can have that argument. Mm-hmm. But Washington wasn't leaving without Oregon. They were not going on their own, and the Big Ten didn't want them on their own. And so it really did come down to if Oregon said, we're absolutely staying, we're staying. And, and as that Thursday progressed, it looked like it was going to hold together. That Thursday night, I was told, Washington State and Oregon State have already signed the grant of rights it looks like everyone's coming to the table. Oregon had told the Pac-12 the only way we're leaving is if the Big Ten gives us a full share. 
and and everybody was confident they weren't giving them a full share. And so it went into that Friday morning. I can remember 5 a.m., 6 a.m., waiting for the phone to ring. And the messaging I was getting, even at like 6 a.m., was people were still confident that Oregon and Washington were going to show up until 10 minutes before that board meeting. And so I'm frustrated that so many smart people did stupid things. I'm disappointed with the greed. Um, I am uh, a little bit disillusioned with what happened because we all know that the Pac-12 is the best conference in college football and has the best games. Uh, the best game in America is being played tomorrow in Corvallis. The best two teams, uh, you know, they got three teams in the top 11 in the rankings. They're going to have a playoff team. Oregon might. Oregon's good enough to win the national championship. Oregon's that good. Like, this could be the Pac-12's year. you telling me they couldn't find a deal, a TV deal? And I blame TV, too. If I can just for a second point a finger at TV, like, I blame the TV companies that, that you know, the, the university presidents ceded the power to the commissioners who turned around and gave it to the TV companies. And so TV's running everything. And, you know, we knew that when they were kicking off games at 7.30 and 8 o'clock in Salt Lake City amid the snow. They didn't care about the fans. They didn't care about the brands. They didn't care about the schools. They didn't care about the student athletes that they say they cared about. All they cared about was money and audience. And that's what it came down to. All right. Uh, so much more ahead. We're going to talk about the high school, the high school scene. Scorebook Live's Renee Ferran is coming on to talk about the semifinal games in the state of Oregon. We're going to handicap them. West Lynn playing in a big game. Central Catholic playing in a big game. What else is going on in the state of Oregon? We're broadcasting at Killer Burger. We're here till 6. Stop by, enter to win Blazers Clippers tickets, and say hello. We are broadcasting at Killer Burger in West Lynn. I want you to stop by if you're in the neighborhood. Killer Burger. Steven's going to get himself a Killer Burger here coming up. Not yet? No. I'm going to do an interview right now with Renee Ferran, who is at Scorebook Live and all over the state semifinals in high school football. I need to know what's going on. Renee, I appreciate you making time for us. Thank you for doing this. Um, I've got people who are, are just jazzed about what's going on in high school football in the state of Oregon, and I'm like, hey, I need an expert on this. So thanks for joining us. Appreciate you. You bet. Give us, give us the lay of the land. When you talk about the Oregon high school football semifinals, where is the action tonight in the bracket? What game is, like, top of mind for you? Well, definitely it's going to be the Westland Central Catholic game that's out at uh, Pioneer Stadium in Oregon City. Uh, I've had them as my top two teams in the state from uh, day one, and uh, it is, you know, I, I agree with many people that it is too bad that this is a semifinal and not the championship game, but, uh, you know, the OSAA ranking system mystifies many people as to how uh, the rankings turn out where these they end up as the one in the four seed. But, you know, this this should be a lot of fun. I think it will be a closer game than last year when they met in the semifinals and West Lynn beat them fairly handily. I, I just see uh, that both, I mean, both these teams are deserving of being championship game, if not championship teams. Yeah, I remember when so the bracket I, I when, 
when they win the bracket came out, a lot of people were upset to see these two teams on the same side of the bracket. Why do you think that happened? Did the OSAA ever give a explanation on why Central Catholic and Westland would be seated on the same side? I mean, Central Catholic, average margin of victory, more than 50 points per game this season. Westland right behind them, 35 points a game. Why, how'd they end up on the same side of the bracket? Well, unfortunately, we call them C's, but they're not really C's. The way it works is the OSA has its ranking system, and the rankings, they, they use two different metrics, combine them together, and what happens really is that Westland has been number one all season because the strength of their schedule playing in the Three Rivers League versus Central Catholic, which is in the Mount Hood, which has some programs that are you know, rebuilding are are not, uh, you know, they're struggling a little bit. And so even though Central Catholic has, is winning by 50 points a game, it's not helping them in terms of the ranking that they get in the OSAA metrics. And so where the discussion comes in is should Oregon adopt a system similar to what Washington has, where in Washington the teams qualify for the playoffs, and then a seeding committee creates the bracket based on which teams qualify. And so it, it, because of Oregon having kind of the bifurcated with the Columbia Cup and the championship bracket, the difficulty would be do you use the rankings to just say which are the six teams that make the championship bracket and the six teams that would be in the Columbia Cup, and then, you, and then the seating committee goes from there? Or does the seating committee take all 32 qualifiers and seed, the, and seed top 16 and the Columbia Cup 16? On the other side of the bracket, because you've got Central and Westland, you've got Sherwood and Tualatin on the other side of the bracket. Can the winner of the Sherwood-Tualatin game give Westland or Central Catholic a run? I think they can give them a run. Uh, Tualatin, I saw their game against West Lynn, and in that game, Nolan Keating was out, their star junior quarterback. He's back for the playoffs, and he's not missed a beat since his return. He's thrown for over 600 yards and seven touchdowns in their first two playoff games. And, uh, you know, with him back, they certainly look like a team that should be able to contend. Sherwood is the wild card. I got to see them in person last week, and their defense is absolutely uh, up there with Westland and Central Catholics in terms of the, the quality that they showed. The question will be, can their offense, you know, they, they, they kind of run a hybrid between the wing tee and a spread, the way that they run their offense. Can it... I guess perform under the against a Westland or Central Catholic defense, and tonight will be a great test. If they are able to get past Tualatin, then I think that they would have at least a puncher's chance against Westland or Central Central Catholic. We are uh, talking about the state semifinals with Renee Ferran of Scorebook Live. Um, Central Catholic Westland, do you have a pick in that game? How do you see that unfolding? I, right now, I've had, I, I would have said Central Catholic at the beginning of the season, but the way West Lynn has been able to 
just developed, and they survived the Three Rivers League. I mean, that is a grueling schedule to get through. I have, I would say 35-28 is my pick for Westland. 35-28 Westland, that's your call. You know, the game's in Oregon City. Is there a benefit to either team with the game being in Oregon City, or is that a, is that a true neutral site game? I think that's a true neutral site. It's a turf field. They both play on turf. Uh, you know, Central Catholic at Hillsborough Stadium, West Lynn at their at their field. They're probably a couple miles from where you are at Burger at yeah. Burger. I was so, thinking of popping over uh, if I could still still get a ticket. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm I'm gonna say that if there's one disadvantage, it's that you know Oregon City doesn't have the seating that maybe Hillsborough Stadium does. But that's the only disadvantage. So if you're if you're going to that game, plus the parking, you're going to want to get there early for sure. Yeah. Give us an idea. Anywhere else in the state of Oregon that you're looking tonight that uh, obviously a lot of eyes will be on that Westland Central Catholic game, but other brackets that, that are on your mind tonight? Uh, well, tonight I would say I would be looking at uh, Willamette University where Mountain View is playing Silverton, two 11-0 teams in the five-day bracket. Uh Two, I think, very similar teams. Hmm. Both play lights-out defense. They're the number one and number two scoring defenses in the state. Both have outstanding dual-threat quarterbacks. Uh, the the coach's son, Connor Crum for Mountain View, and then Sawyer Keeney for uh, Silverton. I think that's going to be a heck of a matchup. I, that is, to me, a true coin flip game. I think I picked... Silverton, but that was because it came up head. Uh, that's about the only reason. I love I mean, that, that. That's going to be a fantastic game. And then tomorrow, I know you've got a, your affiliate down in K Falls. They're going to be excited. Yeah. Henley in the semifinals for the first time in 32 years. Woo. Excuse me, 33 years. And they have a team that is definitely built for championship uh, weekend. Uh, they're, they're running back. He's run for a school record, about 1,850 yards, 40 touchdowns. Their defense is is not number one, but it's definitely you know a, a very strong defense. They play a Scapoose team tomorrow at uh, down in Eugene, and Scapoose uh, they've got their passing attack number one in the state, number two in the state to Marist Catholic, and so I think that's going to be that's going to be a fun matchup down there. And then if, you know, I'm going to try to hit the uh, Seaside Bears Catholic game that's going to be at Hillsborough Stadium tomorrow. Actually, that's the contrast in styles between Seaside and their power running game and Maris Catholic with the, the number one passing attack in 4A, led by Nick Hudson, their junior quarterback. Renee Ferran with us, Scorebook Live. Renee, I got about a minute here, but I'm really uh, disappointed that the championship game will be on the same day as the Civil War football game. Why not play that on a Saturday? What's wrong with the OSAA? You know, what's interesting is, of course, they traditionally had those championship games the following weekend to avoid the Civil War, but but they, they compressed everything so they could have football done before basketball starts. I'm very disappointed. It would have been nice to have had it on Saturday if they had, uh, I think thought thought about it, they might have done that. Yeah, I got to put you in charge, Renee. Uh, great work, Scorebook Live. Check them out; they're doing a great job. Andrew Nemec, Renee, Ben Sherman, and the team covering all of the high school action in the state. 
Uh, I'm in West Lynn at Killer Burger, so I uh, I think West Lynn over Central Catholic. I think that's probably how it works. You notice we're not uh, broadcasting from down the street from Central Catholic to, today, so uh, we'll see if the karma from this show can uh, help out. The 5 o'clock hour is coming up. Stop by Killer Burger in West Lynn where we're broadcasting. I appreciate uh, everybody who is uh, here and more ahead. We're at Killer Burger in West Lynn. Want you to stop by. We got an hour left in the radio show. We still, now because it's 5 o'clock, if you are uh, wanting to stop by, you can still enter to win Blazers Clippers tickets. We got a pair of center court tickets, row P, for the game uh, on March. I'm doing this off the top of my head. March 30th or so? I think it's March 30th, Blazers Clippers. By then, uh, I think uh, you'll, uh, you'll know if the Blazers are any damn good or not. But you're going to be at an NBA game sitting center court if you win. Somebody's going to win. You don't have to be present to win, but you need to be here and fill out the raffle ticket. We'll draw it in 54 minutes. How about that? Right in the final minute of the show, we will draw the winner, and somebody's winning Blazers Clippers tickets. Anna's here at Killer Burger. Um, did you know, Anna, Did I just talked to the owners at Killer Burger. They are all about allowing me to have my own burger on the menu here. What? Yes. They're going to let you We're going to design a burger. Have a burger? Uh, okay, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can okay. we give him a headset here yeah, just yeah, for a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. All right. I'm here. Uh, you got to flip it around. It's back. You got him backwards on the mic there, Anna. So you got to flip the headset around. There you go. First time, Anna. First time working as a producer. Thank you, by the way, for having us out here. Introduce yourself. Oh, it's our, our pleasure. It's our pleasure. I know John. your kid, Logan. Logan's our general manager. Yeah. He does a great job for us. Uh, yeah. I'm JP Perfilli, my wife Stephanie Perfilli, franchise owners. We love being a part of Killer Burger, and this is just such an honor to have you yeah. here today, broadcasting, talking sports and radio everything else. You have a radio voice. I definitely have a face for radio. <laughs> you have. A, I don't know about a radio voice. Yeah. Well, you didn't know you were going to be on air, but. You know, I was talking on the break with you and your wife. Like, I, I'm all about maybe designing a burger and getting it on the menu. Oh, we would love that. That's why I came over real yeah. quick. I don't want Killer Burger to get upset at me, but I will definitely work yeah. with the CEO, and I think they would, yeah, BFT Burger. Yeah, we won't get out of hand with it. We'll, we'll, it'll be something I would order. 100%. You know? I'll tell you what's sneaky good on your menu is the chicken sandwich. It is. It's a sleeper. A lot of people yeah. don't know we have the chicken sandwich now. Crispy chicken, BLT, Anna orders it every time. Or spicy. Anna's saying yeah. yes. That's her favorite. Yeah. Wonderful. And uh, and our uh, middle daughter likes the chicken sandwich as well. So, uh, but I'm all about the uh, I'm about the classic, you know. Right now, until you can never I design, go wrong. Until I design my own, and then it'll never go back. We need to definitely get on designing right. your own. We would love that. So. Well, I appreciate you. We had a good crowd here, and people still coming in, but appreciate what you do. You also support the community. Thank you for doing that. Oh, our pleasure, and I know there's a lot of other support for Killer Burger. You've got uh, up at Nate's store tomorrow in East yeah. Vancouver yeah. toward your foundation, so I'm going to put a shameless plug in for him and Killer Burger overall, so that's another nice thing. And Yeah, we love being part of the community. We've been able to do a lot of give back to organizations at the high school uh, fundraisers for elementary hosted your daughter's yeah. mighty shrimp yeah. team in here the a couple weeks shrimp ago. Were in here. Shout out Six, to them as well. Seven-year-old soccer players running around. It was, you have a lot of patience. Let's say that. Good burgers and a lot of patience. That should be on the tagline. I'm going to let you keep right. going, John. Thank Thanks you. So much. Appreciate you for having us. There's JP. Um, all right. So uh, they're going to let me design a burger. You heard him. Yeah. You heard it from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Start we'll thinking see if we about can, that. We'll see if we can get it by corporate. Uh huh. You know. 
Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to put on that burger. Maybe we'll have to we'll have to do some uh, sampling of their menu. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, we have the five biggest stories in sports. Anna's going to give them to us. Are you ready to do the five at five? You've never done it live. You know how that goes. I'm I'm never really ready, but I I mean we're going to do it anyway. Okay. So. All right. Here we go. The five biggest stories in sports that Anna thinks are a big deal. The five at five. Number one. Hmm, that's. Here with us, too. Uh, so did you hear <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals head coach Zach Taylor announcing that Joe Burrow will miss the rest of the season with a torn ligament? But this story's got some legs. I'm really uh, not usually interested in injury stories. But this one's interesting because the league is looking into the Bengals and why the quarterback was not listed on their injury report mm. heading into Thursday's game against the Ravens. Is that a big deal or not? Yeah, it is for betters and gamblers and for people who didn't Steven's know body. who didn't know that Joe Burrow couldn't grip a football. Ah. And I think that was a big problem. And, you know, I saw the pregame warm-ups and the tweets in the pregame. People were saying, oh, Burrow's on the field, Burrow's warming up. And uh, But there is, a, um, I think, a growing emphasis on injury reports being accurate and maybe even in college sports, the, the colleges themselves buying into an injury report because people are wagering on these games. And guess what? The gambling companies, DraftKings, FanDuel, all these different entities state to state, uh, they all now have a vested interest, and they're in partnership with the leagues. So the NFL is not just looking into this because they're curious. They're looking into it because probably one of their gambling partners has got a bunch of gamblers mad that they didn't know that Joe Burrow was was uh, not playing healthy. Number two. Well, I mentioned this yesterday, but this story is uh, developing. The former Fox Studio and Amazon host, former NFL sideline reporter, Carissa Thompson, she's getting a lot of backlash. She should. Admitting that she fabricated reports from the sideline that a coach might not come out at halftime or it was too late. And so she would just make things up. And she would report things that were generic enough that the coach wouldn't come back and say, well, why did you say that? She would say things like, hey, we need to stop hurting ourselves. We need to be better on third down. She'd just make it up. She'd just make it up. Here she is saying that. And I've said this before, so I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometimes because, A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late. And I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up because, first of all, no coach is going to get mad if I say, hey, we need to stop. Uh, hurting ourselves. We needed to be better on third down. We yep. need to stop turning the ball Press over. The quarterback. We need, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and do a better job of getting off the field. Like They're not going to correct me on that. Right. I'm like, it's fine. I'll it, just make up the report. I think uh, this hurts everybody who's a sideline reporter. Well, and she's I, apologizing yeah, now. My, well, she's she realizing should. that she has created um, a lot of problems for the people that she called friends and colleagues in the business. Yeah. She's it, saying she's sorry. Did she not know this was a bad thing, that she was making things up? Well, and but even now to talk about it, too. So yeah. now other people's reports are yeah. being called into question, and so she's, she's realizing that this is a problem. But the problem isn't that she admitted it. The problem is that she made things up, right? Oh, yeah. Like, shouldn't she have come back on problem if she was one. a sideline reporter and just said, hey, I tried to talk to the coach. He blew me off. He's obviously upset, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, don't just come back and make something up. That's all wrong. 
Well, I think what's getting buried in here is Aaron Andrews kind of chiming in a little bit at one point saying, hey, there were times when I tried to interview a coach, I would ask him a question about the game, yeah. and all he would say was, hey, what kind of perfume are you wearing? Well, so she'd turn around and have to, like, figure out what to say. Yeah, but she should have called the coach out, too. I mean, there's a problem there. The, the bigger issue is if you turn around and go on camera and you lie or just make something up, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting the business, you're hurting every sideline reporter in America. It's wrong. Like, tomorrow when we all see sideline reporters yeah, come on, everybody's going to think, hey, did the coach really say that? You have a credibility issue. Number three. So, LaMelo Ball, um, you know, 22 years old, uh, played through 10 games now. The Hornets guard has been as good as new. He's come back from an ankle fracture. But uh, his comeback appears to include a battle with the NBA. So, Woj is reporting that the league is covering or asking him to cover a tattoo below his left ear on the grounds that it violates policies against commercial or corporate logos mm. appearing on players' bodies. His ink what is reads it? LF. It's a nod to his full name. And he launched a clothing line of that same name. That's ridiculous. Before I, being I just drafted. think that's, that's really ridiculous. This is a league that, you know, has now sold jersey sponsorships. And they're saying the players, you know can't have a swoosh on your arm you know like it I, I think it's a little ham-handed this isn't Al, Alan Iverson on the cover of the magazine getting airbrushed you know slam magazine airbrushing off his tattoos to make him more likable oh, I didn't know that more story. acceptable yeah more mainstream but it's just a bad look for uh, the NBA they should not be cracking down I get what they're worried about but get your eye back on the ball number four uh, Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill denied the rumors that he requested to be released after Tennessee named Will Levis the team's starter earlier this month. Uh, he said he was kind of caught off guard, actually, by those reports that he does have the desire to play, but he just doesn't know what that looks like at this point. It's hard. Sometimes these teams, I can remember not that long ago, Ryan Tannehill replacing Marcus Mariota as the starting quarterback in Tennessee. and thinking how difficult is that for Mariota Tannehill didn't seem to mind then when it was happening but now it's happening to him so uh, the problem you know in the NFL or, or maybe not the problem but the reality of the NFL is that the contracts are not guaranteed and if you can't help the team they don't have a lot of room for you they just don't number five finally oh, I'm, I'm glad you're finally. counting I know yeah. Okay, so do you remember that adorable Los Angeles Chargers super fan? The, the Asian yeah, the, lady? the one that, that everyone was, said was fake. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether we was ever she determined fake? she was. Was she not fake? I don't know. Her name is Marianne Doe, so she's a real yeah. person. But she's getting her own bobblehead. <laughs> for, the, for the Chargers games? <laughs> yeah. She's teamed up with Thankfully. the, wait the for it, the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum. Who knew such a thing existed? Can we get my bobblehead in there? Yeah. The ones that show up occasionally the, at Goodwill? Yeah, the one that we get, we collect them. We need to raise the value from $1.99 at Goodwill. Get it in the Hall of Fame. Uh, good for her. I'm yeah. not, I, I don't have a problem with this. Look, look, NFL is busy exploiting the whole Taylor Swift thing. I don't have a problem with a regular person getting in on the action. 
Uh, the best part is the bobbleheads, there will only be 2,023 of them made. Mm -hmm. And fans can choose from nervous, sad, happy, angry, <laughs> or angry with red eyes. Different. Different or you models. can get the whole set for 125. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, when the Portland Beavers did my bobblehead, they made too many of them. They did 5,000. That's the problem. So they uh, flooded the market. They flooded the market. And so that's why uh, they are. Some of them ended up at Goodwill. You know, it's hard. I think if they had done like 25, 2,200, made them a little right. more valuable. Well, made a little more scarce. Made a little unique. A little more unique. So here's how that yeah. conversation goes: is I will call John because I'll be perusing the aisles of a Goodwill, and I will find a bobblehead. It usually has something wrong with it, like the pencil. There's a pencil in my mouth. broken off. Pencil in my mouth. It's there's a different part of it that's chipped, and he'll say to me, "Rescue him! <laughs> Rescue that bobblehead!" It. You got a recon. We can't. It's not good for the brand. To have my bobblehead on the shelf at the Goodwill. <laughs> so I will, if I see that, I'm buying it too. You have. And I have. And I've had an awkward conversation with the cashier about it. <laughs> and it was, was this supposed to be you? <laughs> yeah, just ring me up. It's good for you. It yeah. keeps you humble. It's humility. Um, thank you for doing the 5 at 5, Anna. Appreciate yeah. that. Um, is this uh, scene okay? Yeah, here? I don't usually get to yeah. do the five at five with our children playing duck duck goose in with the their middle friends of the in killer the middle burger. of a killer burger. Yeah, I don't think killer burger has ever had duck duck goose break mm -hmm. out in the middle. It might of be the a room. first, yeah. But it is happening here. Uh, we're coming up uh, on an interview uh, with Nick Carlin Voigt, the soccer coach at University of Portland men's soccer team in the NCAA tournament. He'll be joining us uh, coming up in about ten minutes. Before we get to that, we got to uh, talk a little bit about. Fun fact or nah, we'll be doing that later in the show. It's Steven's favorite part of the show. Can you guys can you guys share a microphone? If We're we gonna try have to. to. Can we jam in fun fact or nah right now? Right now? Steven? Yeah, Steven, pull wow. this chair up. Steven, okay. going to pull it up over there. And what you guys will do is you yeah. guys, you, you don't need to hear me. Okay. So you guys just use it as a microphone. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah, I get it. So you have to take it off your head. Yeah, I'm going to take it off. And then it'll be fun fact or nah, killer burger version. And uh, we'll get Greg from the Pac-12, by the way, he's really upset about um, the fact that we called him out on, on multiple weeks uh, saying that, Wait, he's, really? that he's not. No, he's not really upset. But he's got to be on his game. Come on now. He, he needs to, uh, need to be on your game, Greg. It's not you. It's not us. It's you. Um, all right. So Greg uh, in the Pac-12 offices has given us his fun facts for every school. So let's start with the USC Trojans. We're going to start, we're going to work inverse here. USC, in seven straight games, has allowed at least 34 points. Fun fact or nah? They've allowed at least 34 points? In seven straight games, the USC has allowed 34 points or more. Oh, I, I think that's really fun. <laughs> Steven's going to disagree. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's not fun at all. Uh, we know the defense is bad, so it can be fun. It's just it's, it's lazy, lazy facts. Yeah, I think it's fun because I think the opposing offenses are having a great time against USC. So the other teams are having fun. Yeah, okay. so I, I'm going to say fun fact. You guys are both saying nah, so it's not. Uh, UCLA. Oh, Anna, said, Anna said fun. Oh, you did? Okay, so it is fun. We outnumbered you. UCLA lost last week to Arizona State. Arizona State ran the swinging gate. Fun. Okay, that's not the fact. Oh, okay, the, all right, the, already fun. <laughs> the, the fact is UCLA had not lost at home all season. 
It was their first home loss. Greg says that's a fun fact. Yeah, is extra, he right? Extra plus good fun. It's good fun. Well, the swinging gate is fun. I will give him that. But uh, so if you want to put the first loss at home because of the swinging gate, that's fun. But besides that, nah. Stanford. Stanford allowed Oregon State to score 62 points last week. It was the most that Stanford had allowed in the Pac-12 era, ever. 62 oh, that's, points. That's fun, because I mean, you know, the whole history of Stanford and the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 is going away. That's that's way fun. Oregon State put 62 on. I, no, I don't think that's fun at all. It's Stanford. They're not doing well this season. That's yeah. just to be expected. But it's kind of how is that fun? I think it's a really interesting fact. Uh, well, interesting, but not fun. All right, Washington State. Washington State has lost six in a row. Greg says, fun fact or nah, longest losing streak since 2012, six in a row. Fun fact or no? Uh, no, not a fun fact. That's just, I mean, what, it's just regular numbers. I mean, you could have came up with ones that last time lost four straight or seven straight. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, not, there's nothing fun about losing six in a row. I feel like Greg's got something going on in his personal life this week, you know? <laughs> He's distracted. He's going, uh. Yeah. All right. So uh, Washington, Washington's undefeated. They've won 17 straight. Greg says second longest active streak in all of college football. 17 in a row for Washington. Fun fact or nah? <laughs> We're both looking at each other. Um, I'll go with nah. That's not. That's not fun. I mean, they're good, but it's not number one. Not number, number one. Yeah. Number, number two is this first loser. You know what the funny thing is? Is he didn't give us. Who has number one? But it's Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. No, so no fun. No fun at all. All right. Uh, she's saying no fun. So, uh, we did Stanford. Uh, I was going to go back to them. Let's go to Utah. Utah. Fun fact or not? Uh, Utah allowed 28 first half points last week to Washington. It was the most points they had allowed in a first half all season. Well, that's fun. I mean, uh, we think about how good their defense is. 28. 28 in the first half. Halftime. Way, way fun, Anna, and you know it. That was. It's not because I feel like Greg gets stuck in kind of a rut. Yeah. He can't get out of it. He's on. He's yeah. on trend here. Um. Oh, by the way, Greg has it wrong. It, Utah scored 28 points. It's the most they scored in a first half. Well, now I'm doubling down. That's way fun. Yeah. I have it wrong. <laughs> I just looked at the scoreboard. It was 28-24. Utah led at halftime. So Greg yeah, so reversed this fact there. Greg's life, fun or not. Sorry, Greg. Know. Greg might have something going on. All right, Colorado. Colorado um, is 1-6 uh, and six in Pac-12 play. But they uh, they are uh, also 2-2 two and two at half. 2-2 two and two when leading at halftime. They, they led at halftime. In this game against Arizona, and lost the game, two and two when leading at half. I mean, that's a nah. Like, I mean, the game's four quarters. If it was, if it was <laughs> yeah. half a game. Doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. Doesn't just count. Like, just like being second place, the first loser. Yeah. Oh, you won the first half. Good job. Didn't get the win. I'm intrigued by that enough to say that it's fun. Okay. But I don't know what John's vote is. So. Um. Arizona in the game against. I'm gonna say not fun. It's not. It's kind of a lame fact, but I'm moving to Arizona though. Arizona trailed for the entire game last week, kicked a field goal at the end of regulation to win. It was the only time all game that they held a lead. Fun fact or not? They didn't lead until the final second. 
Yeah, I'll go fun. I'll, I'll say that, you know, I'm going to be in a happy, happy, good mood, uh, playing fun here. A lot of fun in front of us, too. Yeah. Uh, unanimously fun. Unanimously fun. Yes. All right, moving to Arizona State. Arizona State with a big win over UCLA last week. Um, Arizona State uh, had the fewest points allowed in a conference game since 2020, allowing UCLA seven points. Fun fact or nah? Nah, nah. Anything that goes back to 2020 and COVID, that's a nah for me. Small sample size. Greg is all about the word allow this week. And that's okay, but it doesn't make it fun. All right. I'm moving to Oregon and Oregon State. Um, Oregon beat USC last week. That is the 34th straight time that Oregon has beat an unranked opponent. Oregon is 34-0 in their last 34 games against unranked teams. Fun fact or no? That's, uh, that's fun, actually. We all kind of like shot in it, you know, yeah. nod our head. Yeah, you guys like that one. Better. I like that one. All right. Yeah, 34, that's impressive. 30, 34 in a row. Oregon State, 8-2 uh, and two this season. And uh, here it goes. Uh, largest margin of victory, 62-17 to 17 over Stanford. Largest margin of victory in a conference game. Since 2012, where they beat Cal 62-14 in Corvallis. Yeah, I'll go fun. Uh, I mean, you, you think what Jonathan Smith has done, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. And that's the biggest win. I, it really shows how good of a program that is to win by that many points. So since 2012, yeah, I'll go fun. I'm a Steven. Fun. There it is. Fun fact or nah. We're at the Killer Burger in West Lynn. We need, like, a music thing to that. We're at Killer Burger in West Lynn. We will be here until 6 o'clock. You can still stop by in West Lynn at Killer Burger and enter to win Blazers, Clippers, courtside seats. Up next, we're going to talk to Nick Carlinvoit, the soccer coach, men's soccer coach, University of Portland. They've got a big NCAA tournament game still ahead. Fun show today. We're broadcasting from Killer Burger in West Lynn, Oregon, the mean streets of West Lynn. If you are nearby, we are broadcasting all the way to 6 o'clock. We're giving away Blazers tickets. we got two tickets that are courtside seats to the Blazers-Clippers game on March 30th. Uh, Stop by. We've also got some uh, WWE tickets that we're giving away as well. And Killer Burger has its great menu. Of course, uh, great burgers, great beer. It's the burger your mama warned you about. And uh, the soccer team that your mama warned you about are the University of Portland Pilots. Nick Harlan Voigt has been uh, nothing short of fantastic coaching this team. You talk about all-conference players, big performances. Uh, The uh, Pilots have a big-time opportunity coming up. Uh, this weekend, and I wanted to bring Nick on to talk about it. If you're looking for something to do, University of Portland men's soccer is, is uh, obviously got it going on. Nick, uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, John. Hope you're doing well. Sounds like uh, I should be there having a burger with you in West Lynn. I know. We've been hanging out. What will we be talking about? What's going on in the world of NCAA soccer? Yeah, we're in uh, you know the, the playoffs now, so knockout football. Uh, first round was yesterday. We earned a bye, so we're there. Round of 32. Uh, winner goes to the Sweet 16. Five o'clock on Sunday, we play Oregon State, who finished second in the in the Pac-12, and they're a very very good program and, and a very good team as well. They made the Elite Eight in, in 2021. 
and we made the Elite Eight last year. So two really strong teams with strong identities. It should be a really good college soccer game for the fans out there. Yeah, and Sunday, um, you know, obviously this is a big one for you guys, but, you know, I've, I've kind of been following you guys a little different this year. I, it's odd, but I've been seeing you a lot on social media. Your team's doing a good job because I'm, I'm watching goals. I feel like I'm getting to know the players a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. When you score a lot of goals, there's a lot of things to post. So, you know, right now we're second in the country in goals. We're number one in every major uh, stat, both on offense and defensive side of the ball in our league. And, in about every you know major statistical category uh, and attacking side of the ball in the country, we're in the top three or four. So uh, we have 45 goals on the year. We've had a lot of guys have breakout seasons. Jacob Babalai is leading our league in goals with 12. Luba Fofana has nine. Uh, we have the midfield player of the year, Nick Fernandez. I think Sebastian Nava is, is also equally as capable. Uh, so we have a really, really balanced team. And on the left wing, Samori Powder has six goals and Muslim Umar has four goals. So... Uh, to top that off, I think we have the best right back in the country, Kevin Bonilla, who's second in the country in assists. And more than just the soccer, like these guys are, are, are real student athletes. They go to class. Uh, they do things the right way. They're going to get their degree. They have big dreams to be pros. But, you know, in our program, it's character first. And uh, these guys represent our program, our institution, in a first-class manner. You got Sunday, 5 o'clock, Merlot Field. You will be hosting uh, ticket punched. Uh, give us an idea. You know, you, the bracket comes out. Where do your eyes go on the bracket? Well, we were the number one RPI team in the country. Um, we were 10. Uh, the top 16 seed is a little bit different than March Madness, uh, where everyone plays in the first round. Uh, so the first 16 teams get a bye. And I, and I thought we had earned that. We had uh, four top 40 wins in the country. Uh, we were in really good form in our last eight games. Uh, we had beaten a lot of uh, you know, teams already selected for the tournament. So I was hopeful, but until you see your name called, you don't know if you're going to be playing on Thursday or Sunday. So you know, last year when we went to Oregon State, they had the bye, and, and we went there. We beat Riverside in the first round, then they had to go travel there, and it was, it was a really tight game, and we ended up winning 2-0, and then that helped us get to the Sweet 16 for the first time in program history at Merlot Field. We got to host that game. They've been to the Sweet 16 before. Uh, so, yeah, earning games at Merlot, I, I feel like the team is, has, has earned the right to play at home. And, you know, we love playing at home. We love our field. We love our crowd. We love our student section, the Village Drum Squad shut out there. Uh, the community is going to rally behind us. I, I know we got to sell that place out. So bring your friends, bring your friends' friends, bring your neighbors, bring your neighbors' friends, bring your church group, bring your youth group. Like, come on out. It's 5 o'clock, perfect for families. Uh, if you haven't been to Merlot Field, one of the best venues in, in, in all of the country to watch a collegiate soccer game. And you're going to see some really good players on, on both teams. And, and some guys that, quite honestly, are going to be playing at the next level. Some to the MLS we sent to last year. Uh, and then some, you know, in the minor leagues. But uh, these guys, they, they play the right way. I think we're a fun team to, to watch. We're attractive. Uh, we're a ball possession-based team. And so is Oregon State. So it's two teams that uh, want to play football and, I think that always leads to a very exciting match. Give me an idea because, you know, there will be some fan bases that say, hey, don't get on the bandwagon. But I have found, like, look, my job sometimes as a columnist and a radio show host is to jump on the bandwagon. You guys, you made a run. You know, you've made a run before. Does this team have a run in it as you look at kind of where they are? Yeah, I mean, I think we're one of 32 teams that wake up today in the country and we're still alive. So, 
you know, we're not just happy to be here. We want to win one game at a time. And, and right now the focus is on Oregon State. is a team that finished second in the Pac-12. And so all of our energy and intention is, is one game at a time. That's been our whole mantra all year, 1-0 mindset. And, uh, you know, we got to play that game. And um, we've been in the tournament five of the last seven years, you know. Like we, we've been in so many, quote-unquote, Power 5 schools uh, that I think, you know, we're starting to get some respect. But we also know we have to earn everything. We were the only team in the lead eight last year that didn't start in the top eight in the country last year. Um, we've been in the top 15, top 10 in the country half the year, we've been as high as five in the country. So whether you've been on the bandwagon, you've been day one believer, or now you just find out about us, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll take your support. And, um, you know, I, again, I think it's an exciting, even if you're an Oregon State fan, I think it's an exciting time just for the state of Oregon uh, to come out and watch two of the best teams in the country go toe-to-toe. Yeah, I think it's great, too. You get two teams that have uh, been in this thing before and made noise before. Nick Carlin-Boyt with us, University of Portland men's soccer coach. Again, uh, Sunday, 5 o'clock, they will be hosting Oregon State at Merlot Field, NCAA tournament game. And for people who haven't seen the NCAA tournament in, in action, I mean, these are the best college soccer players in the country. We've got two great teams in this region. It's. A, I think it's a really good opportunity, especially if you you know if you want to expose your kids to uh, high level college soccer. This is a great place to see it. Nick, give me an idea. You know this program. Where is it now versus maybe when you walked in the door? What are you most proud about when you when I say that in the growth of the program? Well, I think obviously the history of the program is is, is really rich and. Uh, we respect the past, everything that's come before us, uh, everything that was built before us is something that we honor and talk about. I, I told the guys earlier this week, like, if it wasn't for Portland being UCLA in the 88 playoffs and, and, and Mr. Merlo being there, we would never have uh, the stadium that we have today. So, you know, winning changes your life when you make runs. That 88 team hit a Final Four run. And, um, you know, I think the program has, has been very consistent and stable and in a very in a very – unstable and inconsistent climate in youth soccer, you know, because there's never been more pro teams. You know, I think people thought we were going to be down a little bit this year. If you, if you look at how many guys we lost, you know, we lost too early to the MLS. Reigning WCC player of the year, Brandon Cambridge, went to Charlotte, and then Delens Pierre. Those guys are both juniors. They had one more year of eligibility, but they got first-team contracts. And, you know, Jose almost has stepped up for – the length in a really nice way, and Bubo Fofana has probably been the breakout player of the year. You know, he's stuck in the conference in points, and you know, and so like it's next man up mentality. We we have a deep team here. Uh, it's not just an eleven. There's guys that come off the bench that that are going to have bigger roles next year, but also, you know, like last year, Muslim Umar came off the bench in the Oregon State match, and he was probably man of the match, and he helped win us the game. So. Uh, we very much believe in this one team, one goal, one family mi- mindset and, and philosophy that, that we're all in this together, uh, and, and the star is really the team. And so it's very much like a collective approach where, you know, the sum is greater than the, the whole of its parts. And, and we want to just continue to, you know, one, attract uh, the best players in the country because, you know, for our grass field, our relationship with Nike being here in Soccer City, USA, uh, the game model, the style of play. I, I think when, when recruits watch us play, like, it's exciting. It's exciting to be part of it. It's exciting to score goals on Merlot Field. It's exciting to play in front of your peers. And, uh, you know, soccer is, is, is really rich history. And so uh, given the program a jolt of energy and, and getting really good players and then seeing guys like Benji Michelle and Ray Ortiz and Brandon Cambridge, you know, go on to Major League Soccer in, in Europe, you know, makes me really proud. And I think – 
it creates a pathway for the next guys, you know, the Kevin Bonillas and the Nick Fernandeses and the Jacob Babalais, who, you know, by the way, was a walk-on right here from West Lynn, and uh, he's turned into be one of the best strikers in the country. And so I like the fact we have Oregon Oregonian products on the field, that we have a, a strong base of American players. You know, Nick Denley grew up with FC Portland. He started for us at left back. Jacob Babalai walked onto the team, and he's had to wait his turn, and, and he's doing really well now. And so... Um, I think you see a lot of, uh, you know, top young men who, who have a future beyond it. But, like, you know, we want them to, to love playing for Portland, love winning for Portland. And whether they play one year or ten years in the pro, like, this is, this is a really pure form of a team. And, and they're playing for each other. It's a brotherhood. They're spending, you know, so much time together outside of the classroom, outside of the field. That the community that we've built here, I'm, I'm so proud of. And I think that the alumni and the coaches who, who've been here before us would also be proud of, of what these guys represent. So that and, makes me the yeah. most proud, regardless of the result. I love it. And, I, you know, how do you not get behind a walk-on who is uh, one of the best offensive players in the country? University of Portland will be hosting on Sunday. You have no excuse. You got football on Saturday. You got football, high school football on Friday night. I love that this event is not conflicting with all that stuff, Nick. You have a wide-open stage for Sunday, 5 o'clock, Merlot Field. Oregon State playing at the University of Portland in the men's NCAA tournament in soccer. Nick, good luck to you. Let's keep the karma going. Why don't we have you back on next week? That would be great. That would be great. Come on, support us. We're purple if, if your heart desires, and uh, show up regardless. I think it's going to be a fun game, and, uh, it's a good advertisement for college soccer and, and soccer in Oregon. So come support, uh, come support us. Nick Carlin Voigt, thank you. Great stuff. That's a team you can get behind. We are at Killer Burger. We've got uh, one more segment of radio. We're going to talk about the college football games that are taking place on Saturday. That's tomorrow. Kind of snuck up on me this week. I was thinking about this remote broadcast. Obviously on Tuesday I was in... I was in the, the great city of Colfax, Washington, reporting about the Pac-12. Uh, University of Washington yesterday, by the way, uh, issued uh, their uh, argument to the uh, appellate court in the state of Washington. Oregon State has filed a brief today asking for the uh, Supreme Court in the state of Washington to accelerate the court proceedings there and make their appeal rule sooner rather than later. There's obviously a transfer portal issue on December 4th that would negatively impact Oregon State and Washington State. But we have a bunch to talk about in the final segment of today's show. We had, what did we have in hour one? We had people threatening to wrestle each other. We had, uh, we had uh, in hour two, we were talking a lot about uh, Boise State and the Mountain West Conference and Oregon State and how that might fit together. Uh, but hour three in this final segment, we will not only draw the winner of the Blazers tickets, we will uh, we'll talk about the college football games coming up on Saturday. you got the bald-faced truth. I'm broadcasting from Killer Burger in West Lynn. Leave it here. I don't know if you care about the court proceedings in uh, the Supreme Court of the state of Washington, but Oregon State and Washington State today had filed a motion asking the Supreme Court in the state of Washington to expedite their schedule for their decision on the uh, the whole ruling of uh, the Pac-12, uh, you know, getting control, giving control of the board to Oregon State and Washington State. Uh, that has been that court has granted the motion. I think a lot of people just want to know what the ultimate verdict's going to be. And on Tuesday, a judge in uh, 
Colfax, Washington, ruled that Oregon State and Washington State should have the only two board seats. Now that is in the Supreme Court in the state of Washington, and it looks like the Supreme Court is going to expedite that, which helps everybody because the transfer portal opens December 4th. And even the, the clerk for the Supreme Court in the state of Washington noted in her response that, um, that the, uh, the ruling on the emergency motion will be issued by December 4th. So uh, that argument, apparently, from Washington State and Oregon State getting the attention of the Supreme Court in the state of Washington. Stevens popped in here. We're going to kick around the games of the weekend. Uh, all, but Scott in Portland has called in. He wants to give a shout-out for something. Scott, what do you want to give a shout-out for? Go ahead. You have the floor. Hey, Scott. Hey, John. I just wanted to give a shout-out to that U of P soccer coach, Nick. I met him at uh, Rose City Taqueria in North Portland right after he was hired. <laughs> Love he it. went out to his car and got uh, nickels and quarters to pay his bill. Uh, he had three players with him. And that guy is like the Sean McVay of college uh, soccer. I mean, the job that he's done coming in there, he, I was I'm not saying he's a no-name, but he's really upheld the tradition that Clive Charles set there. And uh, he's an impressive guy and uh, just wanted to give the shout-out. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's a folksy story right there, getting change out of your car to pay the bill. We can all relate to that. Uh, you know, whether you're doing that today or you did that long ago, uh, you probably have a story like that. Uh, Stephen, let's turn our attention to the Pac-12 games this weekend, uh, and including one that's going to happen tonight. Uh, you know, and and uh, obviously, um, uh, you know, a game that uh, is going to be uh, a big-time Pac-12 game. We got to check your mic here because I turned your mic down, so to make sure that you we can hear you. Are we getting you? Are you getting you at all? No, I think you're muted. Okay, okay there, we there go. you go. There we are. Hey, are you good? We're good. Okay, Colorado's at Washington State tonight, 7:30 game, FS1. These teams are both in a bad slide. Colorado's lost four in a row. Washington State's lost six in a row. Spread on this game is Washington State's a four and a half point favorite. Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA, going to the game tonight in Pullman. Find that interesting. Yeah, that is weird. Um, give me an idea um, as you look at uh, this game. Who do you like? I, I feel like I like Colorado a lot in this game, John. I, I know that they've lost a bunch of games, but they've been close in a lot of games. And even this last week against Arizona, they were up for most of the game, like you said earlier. I think Colorado's still playing hard. I kind of feel like Washington State's checked out. And uh, you heard we're gonna find out. You know, we find out. We heard the comments from Jake Dickert, you know, a little while ago about, uh, you know, just complaining about the NIL. I, I feel like they've checked out, and Colorado's going to get the win on the road outright. I, I think we're going to find out whether or not who's, got, who's checked yeah, out, right? Yeah, we and will. I'm curious about this game because the visiting team in these Friday night's games are, are typically don't, doesn't fare well. And I've been burned over the years. I can remember taking, uh, taking a uh, Washington team that played in a Friday night game last year, and they lost. Like a, yeah. a really big surprise to see them lose. So... I am picking Washington State because they're the home team, but I'm not picking them to cover the four and a half points, if that makes any sense. I think it's a close game, but this is the which of these two teams cares game. It's kind of like a bowl game Agreed. in that way. Yeah. I think you're right on because, you know, we've seen Colorado play really bad in stretches, but we've also seen Washington State play bad for the last six games. So I, yeah. I feel like Washington State's kind of checked out. I'm going to take Colorado. I think Dion gets them up for one more game. Utah is at Arizona tomorrow morning, 1130. Pac-12 Network, 
Arizona's having a lot of fun right now. Jed Fish has done a really good job. Utah's coming off a loss. I love Utah in the wake of a loss. They are, uh, they are uh, you know, always seem to respond twice this season. They have been, beat, been defeated, and they've come back just with a terrific performance after a loss. I'm expecting a bounce-back loss. I'm picking Utah 31-24. I think their defense shows up against Arizona. I, I, I Going into the week, I wanted Arizona so badly to win, yeah. and then they played terrible against Colorado and scared me a little bit, John. But I do feel this. Arizona, they lost by one score to USC. Yeah. Lost by one score to Washington. Yeah. And at the time, we thought, oh, those are just bad games by those teams. Maybe Arizona's really good. Yeah. And we'll find out against Might Utah. Be. I think Arizona gets the win, and I think that they win their last two, and they really throw a wrench into the Pac-12 race with being only having two losses in the Pac-12 season. That's an elimination game, by the way, for the Pac-12 title game. Loser of that game is eliminated. Winner still in contention for an outside shot and a weird Utah needs more help than Arizona, but still uh, you have a path. UCLA at USC, 12:30 game on ABC. Chip Kelly uh, in a little trouble here. USC favored by six and a half. Uh, I like USC to win the game. I think if Caleb Williams and USC show up to play, they win this game. But and I think they probably cover the six and a half. It's more like what do you like more? The USC defense or the UCLA offense? Because the defense of USC is terrible. The offense for mm. UCLA is terrible as well. I like the UCLA offense a little better than the USC defense. I'm going to take USCLA plus the points. Yeah. I could see an outright win, but I think the offense will score just enough where the you know, the UCLA defense is really good. They'll slow down Caleb just enough to keep him within that game, a one-score game, rivalry game. I can't expect USC to win by a full touchdown, so I'm going to take UCLA plus the points. There, you know, it's funny. There's almost a full a good football team between those two teams. If you combine those yeah. teams, you yeah. You took USC's <laughs> offense and UCLA's defense, you have a hell of a team. I mean, that's team. a national title yeah, team right you there. have a really good team. <laughs> Oregon's at Arizona State at 1 o'clock. Um, Dan Lanning expecting Kenny Dillingham to throw the kitchen sink at him. Ducks are a huge favorite in this game, 23-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Um, I don't think Oregon is going to cover in this game. I think Oregon's going to win comfortably. But I, I Oregon a couple times this year has let up in the fourth quarter, including last week against USC. And they did it against Washington State, too. They allowed a touchdown with 58 seconds left in the game. They just haven't finished well. And and so I'm expecting a little bit of that against an Arizona State team that I think will play really hard. So I, I think Oregon wins, but I'll take Arizona State in 23-and-a-half. The back door is wide open. How much do you think the friendship between Lanning and Dillingham yeah. comes into play here? Because you don't want to embarrass your friend, right? But at the same time, you do want to – you have that friendly rivalry with each other, right? Yeah. You, we've all played our good friends, and we want to beat them more than anybody else. Yeah. How much of an effect do you think that has on the point spread in this game? I think it could matter in this game because I, do, I, I actually think Dan Lanning is not going to be interested in embarrassing Kenny Dillingham. And so I think there's a chance that, you know, that, that you know Dan Lanning, I'm not saying he's going to let up. Right. But I don't think that he's got pedal to the metal like Oregon did against Colorado. You know what I mean? Just a little bit different feel. If it's forty-two twenty-one in the fourth quarter, he's yeah. not going to be looking to score more. No. I, with that being said, I do think Oregon wins and covers this game, John. I, I think Oregon comes out and they're just supremely more talented than Arizona State. And I don't know that it's going to be. It's not an embarrassing thing. It's just the fact that Bo Nix is so efficient in the way he's rolling. He's going for that Heisman moment. He's got to keep winning to win that Heisman Trophy. So I think Oregon wins and covers. Cal at Stanford, three thirty Saturday, Pac-12 Network. Cal's. Favored by six and a half. I like Cal in this game. I think Cal's the better team. I think they have the better offense. 
I think Stanford, um, you know, last week, 62-17 to 17 against Oregon State. Uh, I'm uh, I'm not feeling Stanford right now. I love Troy Taylor, what he's done with Stanford, but I, I think they got their win, uh, their Pac-12 wins out of the way. I think Cal gets this win, gets to 5-6, and six and a chance to get to a bowl game next week. So I'm with you, Cal minus the points. All right, here's the game. This is the game in the country. Washington's at Oregon State, 4.30 on ABC. This is a Super Bowl for Oregon State. Uh, and, and, you know, I've talked about home favorites. They're 86-7 and seven in the last two years. Oregon State's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, I got it earlier this week at two-and-a-half. You know, that's when I got my picks in. It was a two-and-a-half-point spread. So I still think Oregon State – I think Oregon State wins. I think it's 34-31. I think they cover. It's that kind of game. I, I – I, this is such a tough game, John. If it got to three, I would have liked Washington. But I'm with you. The fact that we've seen so many times the Pac-12 home teams win, you got to go with Oregon State in this situation. I think Oregon State might win by double digits. I think they have that type of mentality, the running game against Washington. I think Oregon State comes out and proves a point in this game. I think Oregon State, you know, they're going to have to withstand a couple of big blows by Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. He's going to make some plays. But I think Oregon State has the the more equipped team for this game, particularly if the field's wet. That, that run game, they can wear down yeah. Washington, keep Penix off the field. Yeah. I think that's important. And I keep hearing people talk to me, oh, the Washington's run game's been better. But, it, you know, the Washington run game is better, what, against USC? It's been better against yeah. Colorado? Right, like, right. come on. It, this is a Oregon State team that I think is going to be very physical and a tough out for Washington. We're back next week.